We are back, people. Uh, posts, yeah. post uh, off-season uh, podcast episode. That's right. We're going to the off-season, so um, a little bit of uh, house cleaning to do, but uh, we're back, people. And coming up on this episode, we dive into the news around the league, go over all the awards that have been announced this past week, Cy Young, Manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year, so on and so forth. And then we talk about some of the new manager hirings around the league, Detroit Tigers, the Boston Red Sox, and the very controversial, very interesting hire by the uh, Chicago White Sox. Um, we'll give you a little hint if you haven't heard, former Oakland A's manager. And then our main segment, what are we talking about, Julio? That's right. We're bringing on lifelong A's fan, as long as lifelong friend, Xavier Bejarano. We're going to be giving our filling out report cards for the Oakland A's 2020 season. Was it going to be straight A's? Are they going to be failing? We'll see. But am no, I am I going to be able to give this report card to my parents, or am I going to get in trouble? Do you think, Julio? You know, if you give me enough money, I can make it look good enough for your parents. That sounds good to me. So let's dive in the episode, huh? Yeah, it's been too long. Let's do it. Woo! We've had no baseball and no basketball. It's only it's because of the sports overload this past summer. The only sports during the week we have are Monday night football, Thursday night football, and if we're lucky, there's a COVID outbreak that postpones a game during a bye week, and we get Tuesday night football every once in a while. Yeah, um, it's a horrible so way Julio, to say it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was obviously sarcasm in that. So, Julio, what have you been doing during the week instead of watching sports? Um, I've gone outside, like, walks. It's like, oh, shit. Like, it's L.A.'s not, like, incredibly hot right now. So, like, oh, wow. Have you, you, you guys still do your nightly walks? Well, here. Well, here's the thing. Now that not only is it getting darker sooner, daylight savings time, like, sunsets at 5, I am now mm-hmm. at that age in my life where I wake up early to go on walks. Like I woke up. So you do your you do your you do your walks in the morning now with Ann Whitney. Correct. So we woke up at seven. For the listeners, uh, during quarantine, uh, Julio and his significant other uh, Ann Whitney picked up a hobby where they went on walks every night at around seven. Um, looks like they moved that to the morning. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. We do a little morning walk and then we finish up. We'll go get a nice cup of coffee. Uh, if you're, do you take your cats with you? I probably wish. Uh, highlight coffee. If you're in, if you live in the Glendale area, highlight coffee, fantastic spot, but I'll have to yeah, check it out. Next beside, yeah, there, actually. we'll do that. And then we'll start working for the day. But in terms of like yeah. entertainment wise, uh, PS five comes in tomorrow. So I'm pretty happy on that. But like TV. Yeah. But what have you been doing? Obviously that's what you're going what you, yeah. to be doing. Uh, but what TV have you wise, been doing? Uh, I watched Ted Lasso and I cannot say any more how, awesome of a show that is like that was probably i need to my, i need to get on that that was pro- i think that's my favorite show this year but also yeah i've uh become a member of cobra kai and watched the crap out of that on netflix nice. did you watch it? how many seasons are on netflix it's, two. it's just the two seasons 
I no, it's on my queue. I just have to catch up with so much shit. So I've been watching. I've been splitting between the boys. So that's what I was gonna. Ask. The boys has been amazing this season. I was. I watched say. that earlier. So you yeah. think, you think Ted Lasso is better than the boys, huh? Yes, absolutely. Dude, I'm telling um, you, I was like, the only other show I put on that level was uh, yeah. what we do in the shadows. I mean, yes, yeah. That's I and my guy God, Jackie. That Daytona. was back. That was back in April. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. So what we do in the shadows is definitely it's up there. It. So. I've been splitting time between The Boys and Fargo. The new season of Fargo came out, oh, and shit. Fargo's like my favorite show on TV like the past five years. And Fargo's been pretty amazing, too. And then after that, I'm going to watch Watchmen because I haven't watched Watchmen Ooh. yet. Um, I heard it's really good. Um, but what I've been doing in my spare time is growing a mustache because it's Movember. Of course. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of baby hairs right now, but, you know, in about a week, it'll be a full-on stash. So, uh, you know, look out, listeners, to the next podcast. Check our YouTube channel out for the next podcast. I'll have a pretty glorious um, uh, catfish hunter slash Dennis Eckersley style mustache. Also, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, Ma- promise. Mandalorian's been pretty tight so far. I don't know if you watch it or not, but. No, I like to wait. So I like to wait until um, the whole season's done for Mandalorian because I, ha- I don't follow any, like, social media for, like, spoilers. Got it. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, because I tried last time and I just got, I like, I got anxious and, and then, or, and then I would forget. So like, I would watch like three episodes at a time and I'm like, I would just much rather just binge this show. I'm just going to wait until it all comes it's out. Been, and I just, I, I waited until season one came out it. and just watched it all. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We were talking about the other day. It's been awesome so far. Honestly, first season yeah. super slow. Understand why, but, uh, yeah. it's been so far. Like now that the world is established, it's been pretty mm-hmm. good gas, but as much as we love talking about TV and movies. Welcome to the Town yeah, Tailgate Podcast, right. by the way. We didn't change. <laughs> we missed you all. It's been a minute. Julio Reynoso, Chris Madrigal, back again. Um, we're going to get into some um, end of the year, um, an end of the year report card for the team. But first, we, uh, we're we going to jump back into the old structure because um, we don't have baseball anymore. So we might as well go back to our old show structure, not just talking about the World Series and whatnot. So... Let's kick it off with some um, national news. Um, some awards came out in the past uh, couple, past week or a couple days. Um, we haven't gotten the big one yet from the MVP, but 90% of them are out. Um, we'll start with Rookie of the Year. For the American League, it was Kyle Lewis from Seattle. In the National League, it was Devin Williams, um, the relief pitcher from uh, the Brewers. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we saw it coming with both of these awards. Um, Devin, Devin Williams, I mean, I feel bad for the guy for playing, pitching on the Brewers because he was, like, insane. What was his ERA? Like, .38 or something yeah, like it, that? It, Didn't we look it up yesterday and it was wild? Yeah. Uh, he's got some pretty, I think he's like he throws, like, a, a fork ball. That's, like, pretty nuts or a change up, something that's, like, really. Yeah. So, don't be shocked if in the next couple months Josh Hader's on the move because he's going to take his job. Uh, I I mean I'm surprised he I mean we were all kind of shocked he wasn't on the move during the deadline. Yeah, that's true. I think the asking price uh, was a little too much then. But if we want to bring it back to A's talk, uh, Sean Murphy finished fourth. He yeah. really really came into the last month of the season. We were really high up on him. He had a really good postseason. Um, future looks super bright behind the backstop. But if you want to talk, one hundred percent and. And me and you talked about this. We texted about this. How had we they included the postseason? Like one hundred percent, I think Murphy would have been 
second, probably finished second. Um, but they didn't include the postseason because it's a regular season award, so he didn't finish as high. The one thing I was a little uh, disappointed out or disappointed about was um, Jesus didn't get as much love as I thought he would have. Yeah, he was. I think he was, was right weird. around the seven eight range. Guys like Christian yeah. Javier finished higher as well as Framberl Reyes or Framberl Valdez from Houston. Um, it just kind of shows we had some pretty lofty, lofty expectations. He's just not there yet. I think now that we've no, seen I mean, he's run, young. He's a young kid, yeah. man. I mean, like this is his first full season. It was only 60 games. Like, well, same thing as other guys, but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I hear you, but I mean, he came into the season as kind of like the ace of the staff. I think he, I mean, you know, like it's just a, there's a lot of pressure on him. Um, I, get, I mean, I guess you could argue that Montas was the ace of staff going into the season, but I mean, there was a lot of eyes on Lazardo thinking, assuming that he was going to be that first pitcher to go out in a playoff series, which he was, um, and that he would grow into that role over the season, but it's hard to grow into um, that role in a 60 game season. Murphy, yeah, I mean, Murphy surpassed my expectations. I didn't think oh, he was going to be big time. this good this season. I, I thought he would be okay and he would like ground himself, but I mean, he was, he really just like. Everything, both sides of the ball, defensively, what he did with the rotation and grounding that rotation, um, and and offensively, just the, I mean, the big hits when he needed it is the most important thing about his aspect of the game. Absolutely. Uh, next yeah. up, we got manager of the year. Uh, two, the, the two main guys who end up winning it. We have Don Mattingly with the Florida or Miami Marlins. Sorry, he be- <laughs> feels weird. Saying yeah, that, right? he becomes the fifth player or the fifth person in major league baseball history to win both the MVP and manager of the year. Uh, yeah. The Marlins had a, first off the Marlins had no, like they shouldn't have been here in the first place. They shouldn't have been a contending no. team that a massive COVID outbreak and uh, they made it all the way to the NLDS. So hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Good job. Don Mattingly. Um, he deserves it for sure. I'm happy that he got it. And he, it was a rough go there with the Dodgers. Like those like five seasons in a row, oh, yeah. he get knocked out. In, in the ALC or NLCS, like I'm glad that he's successful over there. And he never had to shave those sideburns like uh, Mr. Burns. That's true, he didn't. And then for the American League, we have uh, another interesting one. This person was also the World Series MVP, and it's Kevin Cash. <laughs> Kevin Cash That's, from the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays, World Series MVP for taking out Blake Snell. Um, I think we all we I think we all saw that one coming. Uh, and if, if we again bring it back to the A's, Belmo finished fourth. So it's pretty interesting that uh, that there's not really a major voter fatigue when it comes to Belmo because Belmo's already won it twice, uh, or two or three times. I know twice with Oakland. He'll always be in that conversation, but he's never gonna win it again, dude. Probably not, unless he goes to another team that's in the chitter, like with the A's yeah, up there, yeah, and yeah. he's able to prop them up. But again, yeah, no real surprises there. Uh, Cy Young, Chris came out today. Ohio, the state of Ohio, won it <laughs> big time. Yeah, and you know what the coolest thing? So Shane Bieber wins in the American League with the Cleveland Indians, and then Trevor Bauer with the Cincinnati Reds. I think, though, you know Jacob Degrom had another amazing season. I think Bauer was the obvious front runner. Same with Jane, Shane Bieber; he was unanimous first first ballot votes. Um, I didn't know this about Shane Bieber was a walk on at UC Santa Barbara. Shout out Gauchos. And yeah. And, and now he's a Cy Young winner. That's incredible. A walk on 
um, didn't have a scholarship throughout college to play, had to pay co- for college while playing uh, on the baseball team. Like, that's incredible. I saw a stat that this is like, dude, the freaking uh, the Indians pitching coach, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. This is the fifth Cy Young winner he's had. So he's had, or fifth or fourth, he's had CC. The man's good. CC, Cliff Lee, um, Corey Kluber, Bieber, and there's somebody else. We'll probably have to look up on the side. Um, Wait, CC won it? I didn't know. Yeah, CC won. Two thousand six, two thousand seven, somewhere around there. That I think it was. 2000- Didn't him and Cliff Lee get back to back? I remember something like that. I want to say it was two thousand seven because that was the year when Cleveland was at the ALCS yeah. and they blew it to Boston with like tra- um, yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, who the hell is that power hitting first baseman? That's right. And then they traded him to Milwaukee, Milwaukee the next year, and he was eleven and two with Milwaukee, and he almost won the Cy Young that year because he was so dominant. Or the NL Cy Young. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been wild. Yeah. Uh, pretty anyway. huge. And I'm glad. Uh, I don't know. If I if We've talked about this offline before, but about end of August, I actually put some money down for you, Darvish, winning Cy Young because he was Did you really? looking so good. And he had a fantastic year. Uh, and yeah. then about a week or two ago, I was able to get a Bovada like spread and I hedged it a little bit with, with Bieber, with Bauer winning. So thankfully for that. Nice. Um, nice. Another thing about Bauer, though, the Reds are historically a like dominant franchise, even though they haven't done mm-hmm. so much the last 10, 20 years. If you look back at the history through the Big Red Machine, the 1990s title, all that stuff, like historic franchise, they've never had a Cy Young winner. That's pretty fucking wild when you texted me that earlier yeah. today. I, I, I was like, really, Johnny Cueto? Or when you said that earlier, Johnny Cueto? Like... Like I, I mean, I guess I can't think of a ton of of amazing pitchers for the Reds, but like, I mean, those two right there stand out a ton, Cueto and and Bauer. Like, even though this is Bauer's first season, but still, like, I'm a little shocked by that. Even like the the big red machine of the ni- of the seventies, like I don't, I, it, yeah. us being big baseball fans like our whole lives, I couldn't tell you anybody in that rotation. <sighs> I bet you if I looked it up, names would pop out a little bit, but not off the top of my head. Like the names that come up to mind for those teams are are Joe Morgan and Johnny Bench. Like you Pete know, Rose, like yeah. yeah, Pete Rose, yeah, Pete Rose. Like I mean, it it's offensive guys, some of the best hitters of all time. Um, all right, cool. So let's move on to the major piece of news. Um, oh, uh, actually, this past before we go into pick coaching, um, because that's gonna be next. Maker, yeah. well, by the time you listen to this, you're going to know who's going to be the oh, MVP. Yeah. MVP. Uh, in the American League, we have Jose Abreu from the White Sox, Jose Ramirez from the Indians, and then DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees. I cannot spell DJ LeMahieu's last name. Yeah, he didn't spell his name right on these he notes. It. Uh, and then in the National <laughs> League, we got Mookie Betts from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Freddie Freeman from the Atlanta Braves, and Manny Machado from the San Diego Padres. Chris, bold prediction. We'll keep it short. Who do you have in each league? I mean, I'm. I think I'm gonna go. I I think, like you said, a Abreu may be the front front runner, but I'm gonna go with Lemayhew in the American League, and then I'll go with Freddie Freeman in the National League. And I feel like Freddie Freeman's an easy pick, but I don't. I don't. I he he dominated. He was so good this year. I had him on my fantasy team, and it was great, even though my fantasy team sucked. Yeah. Um. um it was fantastic to have him. I I'm there with you for Freddie. Uh, honestly, he had the big. He had a huge COVID scare. Um, and the fact yeah. that 
he had a pretty slow start. He came back and he was the core reason why the Braves made it to the NLCS. And then uh, I'm going to go with Jose Abreu. Uh, again, a little biased because I had him on my fantasy team, but he finally lived up to that potential of what we've seen him over the last two, three years where power hitting first baseman gets RBIs, but he, he's still swing a lot of swing and miss stuff. He's still yeah. not hitting high average. This is the year he finally put it together and I think he'll be paid for it. Yeah, not just bombing forty home runs a season yeah. and hitting like two sixty. He's actually he actually had a good average this season. Yeah. Um, next piece of news. So the Mets finally got an owner. Um they the Wilpon family, which was a disgraceful baseball family, um, they're they just did did a terrible job owning that team. Um sold to Steve Cohen, a um hedge fund manager worth fourteen billion dollars. And the dude has made it very clear he plans to spend some money. He wants to do it the opposite way that the Wilpons did it. Um, he had a quote uh, from his press conference that said, I'm going to be an owner that builds a team that has continued success, emphasizing that you build not buying championships. We want to win now, but we also are building a team for the long term. So... That's going to be interesting to see, especially in New York with such a fucking big market. Like, you sh- you should take advantage of that. Like, I, I I understand that the Yankees dominate that market, but New York City is so big like that there's a bigger share there to, to have a piece of that pie. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, pretty, that's a bigger share than some of these teams that only have one, like, team in their market. Like, that's a bigger, that's a bigger market than, like, Seattle, for example. Yeah, and uh, he had another quote. Where he was like, if if we don't win a world, a world Series in the next three to five years, I'm going to see this as kind of a failure. So yeah. the guy wants to win. He he has very yeah. much, if we're going to use warrior terminology, he's very much like uh, Joe Lakeup energy when it comes to how yeah. much he wants to win no matter what. And shit, that could be something the Mets going to need. They've, they were in a World Series five years ago. Uh, and a lot of those key guys, at least in the rotation, are still there with DeGrom and Syndergaard. And mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to play in New York? There's a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Stroman actually just took his offer, and he's going to be coming back and playing for the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, even, uh, I think it was their GM or somebody else on one of the radio shows was talking about, like, oh, yeah, Trevor Bauer would be fit a great fit for New York. So, damn. So they're going all in on pitching, I guess. Yeah, why not, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but you got to put runs on the board or runs on the scoreboard. And that's something that they've, that's their issue that they've had the past few seasons. It's Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith. That's pretty much it. Sure. Um, Edison Rosario has not panned out to what they expected. I mean, they need some help over there. Um, Jed Lowry being hurt for the entire time he's been under contract there did not, does not I think help. He took I will like say. two at bats. Something like that. Uh, and he's taken like $30 million of their payroll, which is insane. And the reason we kind of wanted to talk more about this is it's really depressing to hear an owner feel like this enthusiastic and who has a lot of money. Yeah. and who, yeah. Just, yeah. I know you're not listening, John Fisher, but just please do something. I'm not going to go on another rant about yeah, John Fisher. We're in a we've good done mood. enough on this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, we've done enough on this podcast, and I think we've accepted the fact that he's just going to be a piece of shit for the rest of the time that he owns the A's. We'll, we're just going to have to get over it. All right, the final big piece of national news, which this is a big one. Um, 
couple manager hirings. Um, AJ Hinch was hired by the Detroit Tigers to take over that team. The Boston Red Sox brought back Alex Cora. They just don't give a shit, I guess, and they're just like, "Fuck it, you're you're in." Um, and then the Chicago White Sox fired their um, AL Manager of the Year finalist in uh, Rich Renneria <laughs> because he was not a big analytics guy. He was more of an old school guy, and they wanted to switch it up and get more analytical, and they decided to hire. 76-year-old Tony LaRussa as their <laughs> new manager, a guy who literally was anti-analytics when he exited the, the, the league. He was not about it. That's a big reason why all well, that, and he got a DOI, is a big reason why he exited the league in back in 2011. I, I'm usually... Julio, so, uh, Julio yeah. I'm going to tee this up for you, and you can take this one from the beginning. Uh, you can start So usually one. I'm sarcastic when I say this, but I, this time I truly mean it. Former Oakland great. Now, let's... Before we go far into... I've been waiting weeks to talk about this, by the way. <laughs> Before we kind of go into, like, the negatives, what are the, a couple of positives? Well, one, uh, like, Tony Roos is one of the greatest managers ever. He's a Hall of Famer. He is a three-time World Series champion. He got one in Oakland in 89. He's got two at the Cardinals. Uh, he was also had three straight World Series appearances with the A's. He's coached some of the best players of the last 30, 40 years with Albert Pujols, Ricky Henderson, uh, Dennis Eckersley. The list goes on and on and on and on. The guy is a baseball genius. He does a ton of stuff for the A's, especially when it comes to his animal protection. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But ARF, where pretty much they're helping with stray animals, helping animals get adopted. Fantastic stuff. Great. So he wants to protect animal rights, but he doesn't want to protect immigrant rights. Cool. So here's how we're about this. We're going to start shitting on him. What are you doing? What are we doing here? If we have a 76 year old manager who is going to be taking over one of the most fun and exciting teams in all of baseball, you have a ton of awesome person. This is a flashy team. Yes, this is a flashy absolutely. team. They have fun playing the game and they show it. And that is one thing that Tony Russo does not like. Exactly. You have Tim Anderson, the fucking Swag champ of the baseball right now. Every time he hits a home run, bat toss, going to the air. Luis Roberts, Jose Abreu, Yohan Moncada. Uh, oh, my God. I'm skipping out the right outfielder's name. Anyways, you have a super young and exciting team who is very flashy, very exuberant. He does not like that shit. He's already came out, and he dissed on uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. for a 3-0 pitch home run. So there's going to be a huge, huge, huge generational gap between the two players. Now, some of the arguments have been saying like, all right, well, he coached Ricky. Ricky's probably the, the flashiest player ever. Um, but at the same time, Ricky was taking you to a World Series in consecutive seasons. So you're going to let the guy do yeah. whatever the hell you want. And it's just really disappointing on that aspect because the White Sox were right there. They were so close to advancing and they probably would have, they had a good chance to beat that White Sox or the, the Astros team. Mm-hmm. And now you're having this fun, exciting team that was invested into, and you're kind of going to kill that momentum. Tim Anderson's already came out and said, Tommy or Tony LaRusso has, has been reached out to him. He hasn't reached out to him and talked to him. You have your, franchise player back-to-back silver slugger one of the best shortstops in all of baseball you haven't talked to him yet 
Oh, and by the way, there's more for that. You have a team that's dominantly minorities. Tim Anderson is one that we're going to keep talking about him because as a black man in baseball and one of the best players in baseball, you're going to have that spotlight. You have players who are dominantly Cuban and coming from all across Latin America who they're in the, and they're minorities. They're going to want to have their voices heard. They want to, especially within this past year with a lot of cynical unrest with the murder of George Floyd and all this stuff. Um, he doesn't care about that. He was outspoken a ton about Colin Kaepernick back in 2016. He supported a bill in Arizona that gave police the right to pull over any person they want of of Latino race and search their vehicle without cause. This was a bill that went in Arizona that went to, it didn't get passed, but it went up in Arizona that allowed police to search the cars of Latino people in the state without have, have needing to have probable cause to do it because of immigration rules. And he openly supported this bill. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to call the guy racist, but like, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. That's all I'm going to say. For the record, fuck SB 1070. That was the law. As somebody who has family members in Arizona, get that shit out of here. So now we're asking, okay, why are we doing this? Actually, wait, no, we're not asking that because there's more. The guy has had multiple DUIs in the last five to 10 years. The guy is 76 years. And his second DUI came the day they announced it. The ruling came down the day after they announced his hiring. The day after. Like, that. that's the thing I want to ask you. Like, do you think that he told them? Like, there's no way that they didn't know about this, right? I just, Jerry, I, I got to be real with you. I've, uh, I had a few beers the other night. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf, the, the White Sox owner. So... Uh, I'm going to read you guys the full quote. Of- Just before you do that, can I can I explain yes, to the people do. why he became the manager? He became the manager because back in 2011, when the Cardinals fired him because he got a DUI, um, he, Jerry Reinsdorf is good friends with him, and he promised him that he would hire him as a manager um, of the White Sox um, because he got because he got fired, whatever. Then it came out they had a DUI. Jerry Reinsdorf was like, eh, sorry, bro. Just not a good timing. Don't think this is going to work out for us. Next time. I'll get you on the next one. <laughs> so this is this is Jerry Reinsdorf um, uh, living up on his IOU, basically. That's, that's the story of it. That's the story of why he's the manager. And also, if, for those of you who don't know, Jerry Reinsdorf is also one of the main reasons why the – Chicago Bulls for the nineties were broken up. Wasn't the main reason, but he was one of the high reasons of why they broke up. Um, here's the full quote of Tony LaRusso getting pulled over. I'm going to read it off my phone here. This is so, this is so great. I had one glass of wine while at dinner with my friends. And the police officer said before searching his person and placing him in the rear of my patrol vehicle, LaRusso asked, do you see my ring? I asked LaRusso what he was talking about. LaRusso stated, I'm a Hall of Fame base. <laughs> I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. While placing him in the rear of my patrol vehicle, Russo which is stated, definitely something you would say when you're completely a, sober. That's how you would explain it, right? He sounds like Charlie from It's Always Sunny. I'm a, a, <laughs> a Hall of Fame baseball person. Uh, anyways, Larissa stated, 
I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. You're trying to embarrass me. I advise Larissa I will not embarrass him and would treat him with the utmost respect. This is not a guy who should be managing a baseball team. Can I just, can I add one more thing that you actually, a little bit tidbit that you missed at the very beginning when he said, I had one glass of wine at dinner. He said, I had one glass of wine while having dinner with some former California Angels players. The Angels haven't been called the California Angels for 20 something years. I mean, at, <laughs> look, in his defense of that, I'm never going to call them the Los Angeles Angels. They're always going to be the Anaheim Angels, and I'm sure we're in the same boat. I mean, they've but, had two different name changes yeah. since the California Angels, bro. Like, it's been at least 25, 22, 23 years since they have that name. Anyways, look, he's a fantastic manager. We've known this. He has a lot of demons that he needs mm-hmm. to get fixed. And at the point when you're I mean, can you fix him at the age of 76? Exactly. And that's the, and that's a huge problem. And if you look, if he really wanted to manage again, I think there would have been better options. Probably not right now, but I think there would have been better options from him to go and try it out. If he wanted to go to Detroit and go with the young team and teach them that way, that would have been a great option. If he, I was thinking of like a team like the angels, even though Joe Madden's there, he could have been somebody slid in, worked with pool holes, uh, kind of like a middle of the aged group where you can work with that. You're going to have a team that is complete opposite of everything he stands by in personal philosophy and baseball philosophy. This is a fucking dis- disaster waiting to happen, man. And, yeah, and it could ruin this very good White Sox team that has a lot of potential. You have a team that like we're only seeing the start of what the White Sox are going to be doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. once their pitching gets in line, like they're going to be a force, but you're going to have a team that is not going to stand by that manager when shit has the fan and vice versa. Yeah. So, where'd he go, Jerry? You had to repay a favor. I mean, nice. He, he, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has like a history of doing this. He like hires his friends as like really important positions. Like the Bulls former GM that they finally fired was his like really good friend, which is the reason why he got the job. And he didn't, he look what he did to that team. He completely ruined it after Derrick Rose. So, I mean, like, but also what you expect if you want to keep talking about the Bulls, this isn't a basketball podcast. What have they done since Michael Jordan left? How many playoff appearances? Like three, four. I mean, Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. That's pretty much it. Yeah. They've had like, um, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on real quick. We don't want to spend too much time on it because we got a, um, our feature segment is going to be quite a long one with some guests, by the way. Um, um, the A's news, we'll get into it real quick. So the A's laid off, um, a, like a hundred or something like that. Employees in the ticket sales department. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, more bullshit from John Fisher. I mean, I get it. Like you got to cut somewhere because, there's not going to be fans in the stadium anytime soon, but like he can just go fuck himself. That's it's, it's I feel the same yeah, way. Not, nothing know? much to add. Just it's sad. Hopefully these people can get jobs back with the organization or somewhere else soon. Um, Next piece of news. I don't know how to spell his name. So maybe you should deliver this news or pronounce his name. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go into uh, next season. You're we're going to be seeing a new third base coach. Al Pedrique. As our third base coach, he will not be returning to the organization. 
this kind of happened a few weeks ago. There hasn't been too much news since then. Uh, baseball's been, in terms of like news going on outside of like hiring manager hirings, there hasn't been too much going mm-hmm. on. I'd imagine probably by like the end of this month or end of December, we're going to have a better idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, New Face can be joined the team soon. This was the spot that was, he took the spot that was originally vacated for Matt Williams when Matt Williams went and coached in Korea. Not much to add, just. And uh, and Ron Washington too. The GOAT, that's right. Not much to add there. Mm. Um, and the last, uh, no Billy Bean leaving news. So like, no news is good news, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I would assume that the only reason why there isn't any news by that is that maybe there's a negotiation in order, the going on at least, where John Fisher is offering him part ownership of the A's for him to stay. That's the only thing I can think of. Or he's still negotiating with the Fenway Group on on the, on his on his his firm and how much they're buying the 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 Red Sox. That's the only thing I can think of. Something's. Just behind the scenes, there's, they're still negotiating something, whether it be ownership from the Red Sox or the A's. So I think that's the only reason why nothing's happening. But free agency's going on, and someone's got to make some deals. So I, I don't know. Now, there are some rumblings, though, when it when it comes to free agency, uh, at least according to like Jeff Passan and like other baseball insiders, it's going to be a pretty slow free agency. Um, it, yeah. Because the CBA is up next CBA year. is up, COVID, uh don't yeah. be shocked if we're going it's going to be some time until we start seeing names start falling unlike other sports yeah. so it's not it's, in general it's just not like basketball it's not like as soon as the clock strikes midnight there's deals left and right like it's just not that it okay cool so that's going to do it for the first half of this podcast um, we're going to jump into our feature segment coming up again it's a report card for the season um, with two guests so stick around um, and we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody um featured segment this week is like i said earlier something to talk about you know how the off season can be a little boring but we want to talk about this past season before we move on to next season um it's going to be um our report card for the season we're going to go through each position and give a grade um not necessarily specific to players but just in general how the position played this year uh this was julio's idea uh good job julio um but we have again we have a special guest with us this week um a fellow antiochian uh old i mean a really old friend of yours julio part is he part of the erc i don't i don't remember Uh, not really he he's a i would say (laughs) adopted erc xavier immediately just said no xavier uh is erc through marriage because of peter so yeah, through marriage. Yeah, through marriage. That's Anyways, fair. um, yeah, this is one of my good friends, known him for God, fifteen plus years. Uh Xavier, major one, Xavier Bejarano, X E B, call him whatever you want. Xavier, welcome to the show, man. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Is it Happy weird? Is it weird hanging out with me and talking to me and not my brother? Uh kind of, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of my brother's fellow friends for the for the podcast listeners um all right xavier let's get to know you first before we um before we hop into this though so you've been an ace fan for as long as i've known you um how how did you become a fan of the a's and and like uh and why do you like the team so much would you say Uh, i mean honestly probably started i was i used to live in oakland um my family used to live in oakland they're from there 
so I really have that that root connection, I guess you could say. Uh, my my first memory of being an Ace fan, I was uh, I was to I was going to St. Bernard's Catholic School. It's no longer going on. I think they couldn't afford to run the shit anymore. But I remember walking from where I don't know if you know where East Fourteenth is, where the old Quickway used to be. Do you guys know what that is, Julio? Are you fond no. of that? I'm more well. My family's all on Fortieth. So that's a little okay. bit further down, but a little bit further. Yeah. But there's like a quick way. It's like it used to be a cheap uh, hamburger spot, greasy food. So we used to walk right from there all the way to the Coliseum. It was a few miles away, but I remember being in the first grade, walking all walking there for a full uh, field trip. Don't know who we played, but that's my first memory, first A's game I've ever been to that I can remember. Um, and then ever since then, I've just followed them religiously, honestly, and. Every does, does your family do you have a come from a family in A's fans too or was literally that game like the moment yeah, where like well, my you dad's yourself a big became fan. he's a big oakland fan actually he, okay he grew he's born and raised there so that's really what yeah. got me into the a's really was all him and then now it just it, i follow them religiously so so chris fun fact i don't think i you know about this um our parents well my mom and and xavier's dad actually like grew up together and yeah. then, oh really and it, we yeah. didn't and i had known xavier for years by this point but it wasn't until like uh we had a, a home softball league like in 2009 mm-hmm. it wasn't until and uh and john xavier's dad was our pitcher and my aunt and uncle were at the game for some reason they were just like hanging out like hey let's go watch whatever and they're like oh shit is that johnny <laughs> and then like oh like that's, that's crazy super yeah, random that. yeah that's and super uh random. full yeah. circle it's dude, that's so funny. You don't realize it really is like a rooted in an Oakland thing. There's so many people that have so many family connections. Like, oh yeah, shit, we used to hang out back in the '80s, back in the day, or something. Exactly. It, you're gonna always run into somebody from here on out. Yeah, that, exactly. Oh it's shit, like you that. know, blah blah blah. Back from back from the day in Oakland. Yep, exactly. Like it's it's crazy. It is really crazy. So you say you say you follow them religiously. So like, what? But what about them that makes you follow them so religiously? Like, I mean, honestly, so I mean the, the whole the local hometown team. I yeah. mean, they're gritty. They to me, they represent Oakland. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of money to spend, I mean, historically. So, I mean, they just, they try their hardest. They kind of remind me of like an NCAA team, football, basketball team, like, or just the whole style of NCAA. They're, all the kids are playing their asses off, trying to make a name for themselves. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's, you know, one of the rare qualities that, you know, the A's have. You can't say that about a lot of teams, honestly. Yeah. Um. So then, what's your favorite moment in not necessarily in person, but like just make your favorite A's moment? Uh, my favorite, up one of my favorite moments fan. was probably when I'm just gonna say back in uh, 2012, Coco's uh, game four walk off base hit. That was fucking that was wild. I was in I also. So... I was there too. Were you really? Oh man, no I way. Was, I was there. That was. I... I was watching my apartment in Sacramento and the cops got called on me because I was screaming so much. Like my neighbor called the cops and thought like someone was like getting their ass beat or something. I was like losing my mind and it's like, no, no way. Oh my God. And just like, yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. You were there. It was crazy. The Coliseum was absolutely going nuts. Yeah. But I mean, we know that, you know how loud it can be. Yeah. It it was, it was probably the, my fondest memory, honestly, of being an Ace fan. 
And which that entire season was hands down my favorite season. Uh, it was a great uh, season in my I, life. I loved just it. Winning that game. Everything about it. The game one sixty two. Yep. And just like and not expecting to be there. All these guys, just like these gritty young dudes, just like coming out of nowhere. Josh Reddick hitting thirty one home runs. Never see that again. I'll Travis always, Blackley uh, picking him up. The dude was Travis Blackley. Was so Remember that guy? Yeah. Steven Drew playing short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh Donaldson losing his job in spring training and then winning it back in, like, what was that, July or something? Yeah, like with that? Brandon Inge. Brandon Inge with the yeah. walk on Grand Slam. That was against the Yankees. Yeah. I'll always, that was a good one. The biggest thing about that season I always remember was 162. Um, I was at the SF State. You know how SF State's got a bar on campus, right? Mm. I actually, like, left my class early because I was like, dude, I got, I got to watch. And me and, like, one of my yeah. buddies in the class went to go watch. And – I think it was Cespi was the one that hit the pop up to center. And yeah. we were like, mm-hmm. turned away. He dropped it. They were like, we turned, we turned away. It. We're like, ah, fuck. All right, cool. Well, we got some runs. Like, drop one. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I was going to get beers down the street at, at the right end. I was listening to that. And Vince Catronio was losing his mind. He yeah. dropped it. He dropped it. I was in the parking he lot getting ready it. to go to work. And then there was really, this, I had to listen to that whole, that whole game before I got in there. So I texted yeah. my boss. I'm like, I'm going to be a little bit late, but I was in the parking lot. I told her there was traffic, but there was yeah, no traffic. Yeah, yeah. I had to listen to that. Yeah. So um, would that also, would that also feel like what was your best moment in person then was also the Coca walk off. Okay. Definitely. I would have to say that for sure. Yeah. That was a pretty incredible game. Just, just and especially, I, I just remember like the just the enthusiasm from Josh Donaldson, Ryan Cook coming off the mound off the after they shut out their innings too, which was like just the excitement that they had is fucking great. Do you guys remember? Um, do you guys remember who? Sorry, real quick. Do you guys remember who started that game? No, who did? I believe it was AJ Griffin. Was oh, it AJ Griffin? <laughs> AJ Griffin. Wait, 2012, really? Yeah. 20. There was a rotation. Wow. We were. It was Brad Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Cologne, but he didn't pitch because he was suspended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cahill. Jared Parker. Tommy oh, no, Cahill Malone. Cahill was gone by then, wasn't he? Yeah. Was Jared Parker team, and yeah. Tommy Malone. Because Jared Parker started Game One of the ALDS. Tommy Malone started Game Two, and then Game Three was Brett Anderson because mm-hmm. he was finally healthy. I was at that game. I, I was yeah. at that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Four, I believe, was Griffin. Damn, I, I think you're right. Yeah, could be wrong. Yeah. But... Fuck, that's wild. Yeah. Um. All right. Who's your Who's your favorite player? I'm gonna go with Ricky. Of all time, Ricky's a good one. Local, that's mine too. That's local my hometown guy. Yeah, I, 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 and then recently I, I looked up Ricky's stats because there was actually a podcast about him, uh, ESPN did that he didn't want to. He kept playing baseball. He was playing these independent. The thirty leagues. for thirty yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I listened to that too. I love that. That was Ricky a good run. one. That was really yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. It. And then um, Dave Cowell was on it too. Fun fact. Anyways, um, yeah. So he I looked the, up. Ricky's... He was the manager of that like that like amateur yeah he started it. he helped started it i'm that, like oh yeah, that's that pretty league, cool yeah and he actually got ricky on his one of his teams so that's really cool but anyways yeah so um i looked up his stats and noticed like damn ricky came back three times to oakland so i mean he mm-hmm. really had that connection he really wanted to be part of it you know the a's for as long as he could that's what that's born and raised really in oakland embodied. man exactly that's the hometown team his his favorite team yeah you know? jed jed larry heard that and he's like you know what i'm gonna do a third time it's gonna be about Thursday. Uh, I'm gonna do it. Who? Yeah. Julio, who's, who's your favorite player? I don't think we ever discussed that. Um, it's between. There's two. 
So Barry Zito. Okay. Uh, the big three was like a kind of why I really fell in love with baseball was that team that had like the yeah. big three poster and like Barry Zito mm-hmm. was just like the coolest dude in the world to me at the time. And uh, you, you can see him up there. Sespi. Sespi's like. Uh, well, you, you got a gun to your head. You got to pick one. Uh, pick one. Sespi. Good. Pick. I just. Interesting. I, dude, I, look. Because three and a half seasons. That's all he played for the no, three yeah. and a half seasons. And he got you in those three and a half seasons, huh? I've something that I've kind of like I expressed frustration with you recently is like I feel like we're kind of missing fun, really exuberant characters with baseball with the A's, and he was like mm-hmm. that dude. Especially when he, when I saw his pregame his preseason hype video of him like roasting the pig and just like deadlifting like fucking like metal beams and stuff like i don't know who this guy Mm -hmm. is but he's awesome and then his first game when they were playing in japan in 2012 he hits a home run like yeah this dude looks legit and uh then he went on to win the back-to-back home run derby titles i was at the game in anaheim when he gunned out uh harry kendrick at home the dude was just so much fun like it's so Mm -hmm. much exciting he truly loved oakland the, the crowd loved him and uh I felt like 2014, like that would have been a world series team. If you didn't trade him, I know, you know, we're always going to speculate. We're never going to know, but like that guy was the soul of that team at the end of the day. And every I think team, you, kinda, if you ask most ACE fans, they would agree with you on that take. Yeah. And like most teams, um, you need those guys. There's a reason why, uh, dudes like, uh, like Hunter Pence were around for the Dodgers or for the giants all those years. Look like Kike Hernandez with the Dodgers. You need those guys who are really just gonna be like the energy lifters and just really fun and exuberant and like SSP was just always so much fun. So remember that game in Oakland, the first opening day he hit? They hit that bomb above the suites. Dude, that, that mm-hmm. he was hit home runs that like now we're starting to see a little more with like Ollie and Chapman who can hit bombs yeah. too. But like mm-hmm. he's hit shit like we hadn't seen since like McGuire. Yeah, he was one of those yeah. guys where you had to stop what you're doing and watch his at bat. Mm-hmm. It's like a, his home runs were kind of like Steph Curry threes. Where you're like, you're kind of bracing yourself mm-hmm. for a second. You're like, oh shit, something special. The happen. bat speed, dude, because you just you see it and it just fucking whips around. You're just like, oh shit, like this ball. If he hits this ball, that's going. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, cool. Let's hop into the segment then. The segment's gonna be called Report Card Time. So uh, we're, we're gonna go through each position and um, discuss. Um, give our grades for it. So um, I think we'll start it off with uh, catcher, um, being that is technically position number. Well, it's technically position number two, but we'll leave the pitchers for the end. Catcher Julio, what do you grade the catcher position this season? We had our catching triplets with uh, Sean Murphy fourth place and runner up, Jonah Heim as well as Austin Allen. Uh, I'm going to give them a B minus. I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I uh, obviously the ex to me the expectations were pretty low going into this season. I was kind of hoping that even back like in pre-COVID February January, I was hoping we would sign a vet. I know there were some grumblings of like Stephen Vogue or something like that, just to kind of teach these guys. And uh, I was a little nervous going to season. The first few weeks hadn't really panned out, but then something happened when they made that switch from Austin Allen to Jonah Heim. And uh, the rotation started pitching better with Heim. And then Sean Murphy just became like a fucking offense colossus behind the plate. 
So if it wasn't for that last month, it would probably be like a C. But because of like that switch and seeing like Sean Murphy's gonna be like the franchise, like cornerstone along with Ramon and Chappie and Ollie. So but I would give it like a B minus. All right, Xavier, what about you? I'm gonna give it a B, honestly. Um I mean I do like Sean Murphy. He he's had his first full season, I mean sixty gains, but he really improved throughout the season. Uh, I mean, towards the end, he was really having good at bats. He was seeing good pitches. He was making good t- contact uh, behind the plate. He was calling good games. He's very good defensively, and he's only going to get better. He's got a strong arm, so I really believe that Sean Murphy is the future for us. And Jonah Heim too, honestly. Jonah Heim, he he had that big hit. I forgot who it was, but he had a walk off uh, this past season, but. I mean, he came in clutch, and then I feel like if you give him more at-bats, um, more playing time, he's just going to improve. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I feel I'm a lot more high. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm higher on, on that position than you guys are. I gave it an A-. I was very impressed by Sean Murphy. I didn't come into the season – like, I know he was our number two prospect, but I didn't come into the season, like, expecting him to just be, like, the stud instantly. Like, that's never how our – our rookie prospects work, you know, like there were, we don't have the guys that are like Chris Bryant who just like are instantly like, they're good. They're rookie of the year candidates or rookie of the year, but they're not just like these stars immediately. So I was like, okay, cool. Sean Murphy's going to get into his own, get into a rhythm, but he'll have success behind the calling games and whatnot. And, and, and having this like chemistry with the pitchers, because these are all the young pitchers that he's been coming up with and, and catching. So I'm not worried about that. And his bat struggled a little bit at the beginning, but obviously it really picked up in the playoffs. It was phenomenal. He was like our most like reliable hitter. It felt like in the yeah, playoffs, exactly. he was so clutch. And on top of that, like our number two catcher spot, it's like, it's a kind of a problem, but it's a good problem to have. I feel good about both Austin Allen and Jonah Heim, no matter which way Bob Melvin decides to go with, like I'm, I'm happy with the results for both those guys. Uh, backing up Sean Murphy, and if Sean Murphy gets hurt, taking the spot as the the lead guy. Both of them did really well this year. I was a little surprised when Austin Allen got brought down and and they brought up Jonah Heim because I thought Austin Allen was playing really well. So I'm really excited for this position. I think it's going to be like definitely something not to worry about in the future, but also something to be excited about with our team. And like like I told you, Leo, at the, uh, with our end our disappointment podcast after the playoff game. Like, if they don't re-sign Marcus Simeon, I'm going to buy a Sean Murphy jersey. He is my new favorite player if Marcus is gone. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, A-minus for me. All right. Well, I think – like, You looked like you were going to say – okay, cool. I'd yeah. say we probably – so, like, as a whole, probably like a solid B then between the three of yeah. us. Average, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, yeah no, like, I, th- I think this was probably the position that, to me, probably overperformed from what I thought they were going to be. Yeah. Exactly. And then if you look across the league, there's not a lot of people who have this good problem we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. So we're very lucky. Um, all right, let's move on to first base. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Julio. And I'm yeah, Ollie. I've already revealed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I give it a B. Solid B. Oh, really? Well, okay. Here's, hear me out. Um, and that's the thing. I think because of the 60-game schedule and how I have a – fraction of the season is Ollie average wise is not going to hit as bad as he did this year where he's like a bordering 200 hitter where historically the last few seasons he's hit like 270s 280s so 
because of that, I think that's going to bring down the grade. But like power wise, he still will smash the shit out of the ball. Um, defensively, he was of course an anchor in the at first. Didn't win the Gold Glove, but honestly, there's going to be so many more that are going to be coming his way. Um, and it it felt like to me once like Chappie went out it seemed like there was a lot more pressure on him to kind of perform mm-hmm. offensively. And that's when it really started becoming a little more apparent that like the struggles were there for him this season. Um, I don't, I don't think this is anything I, I think me and the rest of us and the rest of A's fans are going to be worried about for the long term. The biggest thing when it comes to seeing kind of uh, downfalls with stuff like this in the seasons, like it's such a small sample size of a season. We can't really, like dwell too much on it. So because of that, I would honestly give him a higher grade if he had a hit at least like 240 or 250. But the fact that it, his batting average is so atrocious throughout the season, I'd, I'd give him a B. But at the same time, you still take him over majority of first baseman in baseball. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, go ahead, Xavier. I'll save it for mine. Go ahead. I mean, me, I'm gonna give it a, a B plus. Uh, he's, I mean, defensively, Olson. And to me, he's the best uh, first base defender across the whole league. I think he's better than Freddie Freeman, not taking away anything from Freddie. But I think Olsen has him beat in defensively. Uh, he's smart. You see a few times during this 60-game season where he would get a ground ball and he fires it over to third. Like He has that uh, that baseball knowledge, that, that high baseball IQ. Uh, he's always aware. He knows where the, the next play is going to be before he even gets the ball, and that's that's very important to have offensively. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's just so far when he's been up in the league, he has shown tremendous power. His batting average is, I mean, is going to be around 250. It seems like that's just the, what we've been seeing is like, as far as maybe his, his batting stance, I feel like his batting stance maybe gets in the way a little bit. He has the, the bat pretty high, high up. And then all that movement prior to the pitch, I feel like that takes away, um, you know, that could mess away his, his timing against fastballs, which we've seen, you know, fastball pitchers just blow blow by, you know, just stick with the fastball and just throw it by him. So um, I just feel like that maybe if he alters it a little bit, then we'll see a little bit more contact with the ball. But, I mean, I overall, I'd give it a B plus. That's sure. a good call out with this is, is a stance because I feel like it is a little – uh, a little extra more so like he's kind of doing a little too much with uh, he does have like a hand up and like we knows if he's going to be going against guys you're gonna be throwing heat you're not gonna have a lot of time to adjust to that yeah he doesn't it doesn't seem like he really shortens up you know yeah uh i can't get over the strikeouts so i just can't i can't I can't give it that high. I mean, the dude has had 77 strikeouts. That's the fifth most in the, in Major League Baseball. Like, it's just, I can't, I, I just can't. I can't get over it, dude. So I gave it a C plus because it's strictly because of the de- defensive respect because he is hands down the best defensive first baseman in all of baseball. How he didn't get a gold glove this season is just a fucking, it's just a robbery, in my opinion. Like it's he should he should be a shoe in for that award for the next ten years. Um but yeah, the strikeouts I just can't get over. I get it's only a six game season, but like he it felt like he either struck out or hit a bomb. Mm-hmm. Like 
Like, it, it's just, Jack, it's frustrating. Jack and he's remember that guy. And, and, and he came off a season <laughs> oh, where he Cuss. was so yeah. He came off a season where he was so disciplined. Like last year, like so his rookie season, he was very undisciplined. He struck out a lot. Last year, he was uh, or not his rookie season, his sophomore season. And then uh sophomore season he was a lot more dis or he wasn't very disciplined, struck out a ton. Last season he really worked on that, had a lot more discipline, was walking a lot more, wasn't striking out. And then this season he completely abandoned it. I get it, and I, I agree. I think it's the same thing. It was when Chapman went out, it was like, okay, our best player's gone. I need to step up and bring these runs in because we can't rely on him. I need to be the next the best player. And he tried to play hero ball and he struck out too much. And like mentally he it's clearly it's a little bit of a mess hitting is for him because he's all over the place. So I just can't. I gave it a C plus again out of defensive respect. Um second base. Interesting. We made a move midway through the season, so this is definitely probably gonna uh, affect our grades. Uh oh what was the overall on that one? Is that so probably uh, B minus B minus yeah so around yeah. the B minus yeah. range which is yeah again I think this isn't something we should be too worried about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, tweaks yeah, yeah. the batting average or in his stance, getting back to exactly. He'll be good. And when Chappie's back in the lineup, he's gonna, it's not going to be as much pressure on him. It's no, going to be a completely different game. But if Marcus doesn't come back, then who knows? That that could be adding a different pressure to him. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's just, just there's some factors that are involved here. Um, all right, second base again uh, had a midseason move. Julio, wh- where are you at? Um, straight up, I'm going to be honest, dude, a minus. Uh, hmm. I loved. You're forgetting the first 30 games where we had, were we were trotting out Chad Pinder, Tony <laughs> Kemp, and and uh, Nate Orf. Yeah, look, and and I, uh, no, your, look, your, okay, your boy, so your deal. boy, what's deal. his face? Your boy, what your boy? Tony uh, Kemp? Uh, machine. Uh, if you saw machine, he's <laughs> a pick and machine. Yeah. Uh, look, let's be real. If we go into the season, our expectations like, all right, we're probably gonna have a hole at second. You'll take it. You have a everywhere else is pretty much solid ground covered in terms of like who's playing where and the production you get out of it. You take that mm-hmm. any other day. So when Tony Kemp came in and he took, he was fine. He did a good enough job. He did a good enough job where he was playing decent defense. Uh, he wasn't really affecting the, the team offensively where he was kind of making things worse. He was pretty average. So like, cool. A C plus. But then when Tommy Lastella came in, it was like, holy shit. We, I didn't realize how important it is to have somebody like him in the lineup where you saw... Game changer, yeah. Yeah, game changer. The guy was extremely patient at the plate. You saw... Well, he didn't. He struck out like once or twice during the regular season as an Oakland A. Um, it just, it, when Marcos was at missing time and then when Chappie was out and the Ramon is out, you had somebody you could rely on at the top of the lineup who was going to get you on base and you can start getting some run production out of there from the beginning. Um, the only dink that I don't really like about him is he he is not the best ranged infielder, and it was pretty evident during the Astro series in the playoffs where normal balls where maybe Pinder would get it, or if like Marcus was on that side of the field, he'd be able to get it. He just wasn't he wasn't there, so it's a little it's a little sketchy in that sense. But when you're surrounded, when you have a full healthy team, and hopefully Marcus comes back. Uh, and when you're surrounded by gold gloves galore in that infield, it's going to relieve that pressure for him in the future if he does come back as well. And 
if he doesn't come back, then he probably deserves whatever he's going to get paid because Definitely. I would imagine so many teams are going to be willing to kind of pay up a little bit more than what he's usually used to. And because of that, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, get the listeners hopes up, but everything I'm reading says that they're more or less a deal is done with the A's. He's coming back. It's just a matter of uh, how long and how much, but it's looking like around like, Two years, like fourteen million dollars. So yeah, it, I, I it would was, say I, I would feel good about the second him coming back next season. Deservingly can, so, man, he deserves it. Yeah, you can make the argument that like he probably like saved a playoff run to get into the up uh, to get into the playoffs at all because like with Chappie getting hurt, uh, Marcus was being out, and then when A's got that COVID outbreak, he was kind of the yeah. guy that was kind of steering the ship to keep them even killed throughout those like that week or two run. oh yeah so yeah because of that dude i'm a huge fan of him hopefully he comes back i'm giving him an a minus or the second base position okay. a minus all right xavier are you more modest or are you still are you hyping it as well are you forgetting I the mean, first he's, 30 games he's definitely he's definitely an asset if he comes back for sure i'm gonna give it a b um okay more so his eye at the plate, his ability at the plate, um, like you said, he Dude. didn't really strike out, which is phenomenal. Um, and then he he's a good leadoff guy. I mean, if, if Simeon doesn't come back, he's going to be number one, in my opinion. He just has good at-bats. He, I mean, he's smart at the plate. Um, he, he plays situational baseball up at the plate. Uh, he shortens up at two strikes. He doesn't do too much. He goes with the pitches to left, left field if he has to. A solid B. Solidly defensively, yeah. I mean, I feel like he's not there defensively, like maybe it's like past second basins we had, such as like Mark Ellis. But I mean, he definitely fills a hole over there, and then we we don't have to worry about throwing Tony Kemp or Chad Pinder. But he's out not there. bad. He's above average. Like he's a solid second baseman defensively. Like it's not like he. It's not like he. I I I would say he's he's in the top third of second baseman. True, but I mean, also I feel like towards the end of the year. And even in the playoffs, they the A's kind of had more trouble turning two. Yeah. And then he was a big piece of that, you know, turning the ball and throwing it to first. Yeah. So. Um. For me, but, I mean, uh, I'm. For me, I'm. I'm also a lot more modest. I gave it a B. Because if it was Tommy Estella all year, it's an A plus. Like the guy is going to be potentially an All Star for us in the next two years. Like he's he just killed it this season mm-hmm. for us. Um. But and I'm not hating on Tony Kemp and Chad Pinder, especially not Chad Pinder. I love him. I mean, he was a, the hero for us in the in the wild card series, and he was big in the playoffs. But he was not getting it done in the first 30 games of the season, which is the reason why they traded for Tom Estella. Like the guys were not getting it done, and we can't forget that their averages were like 220. Both of those guys, and like it, it's just. I ha- you know we have to be realistic here. So because Estella was so good, and because Pinder and Kemp weren't. I mean, they probably would have got a D plus in my in my book. To be completely honest with you, um, and Barreto, average over Oakland, great now, and and Barreto. Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a C it's a B a, a solid B for me. Um, so let's move on to third base. Um, so overall, Matt overall Chapman, B plus then. Grading on a scale, B plus because you graded so fucking high. I love. Um, I love. I look. I wanted to give somebody a high grade. I think that's out of anybody that yeah you, you saved half the class good job there you go uh, group project yeah um so third base we had obviously Matt Chapman had an injury 
um, two thirds of the season. So mixing it up a little bit here, Julio. Um, where are you at? Um, a little bit of Jake Lamb, a little bit of Chad Pinder. Vizel Machine, it up a little, my dude, Vizel picking Machine. machine. Uh, um, now I, I, if it was just Matt Chapman, if we were going off his, his what he had been doing, I'd probably go like C plus B minus because offensively he wasn't great. Um, he was, again, he's had the same problem as Matt Olson. He was just striking out a ton. His discipline was gone, low average. His power was coming then here and there, but then when we figured out, figured out it was his hip, then it all came together. Um, but of course, the glove's going to save them. But then, dude, freaking uh, Jake Lamb turned into Rake Lamb in Oakland. And uh, he really kind of saved that position. So I think ball overall would be a B minus. Uh, Jake did not have, obviously, the defensive prowess that Matt Chapman does, but I think he was pretty much on par of what you would expect Chappie would have been offensively, at least in those last few weeks. He kind of bailed out the team as well. Uh, I can't remember which game specifically where he hit like a double and a home run in the same game, like the middle of October. Um, and he's kind of one of those same guys that like, dude, he was cut from the Diamondbacks. He was a former all-star. He got a second chance in Oakland. And I doubt he's going to come back just because of uh, what the team needs are going to be and what the depth chart will look like. So I hope that like somebody's going to pay him out and he can at least get a deal somewhere else because he's shown like he's still got it. He's still a major league ready guy. Um, yeah so overall b minus all right xavier i'm gonna give it a c honestly i mean it would be different if chapman was healthy obviously i feel like um his numbers at the plate would be a lot better but it took that one game when he had five strikeouts to realize oh he's got a hit problem <laughs> so i mean we knew all uh prior to that then like wow this guy doesn't have he doesn't have it this year and kind of find out he's got that hip problem. But, I mean, I feel like prior to Jake Lamb, I mean, we had we were throwing machine out there. He wasn't bad. I mean, I feel like he was holding it down for a rookie a little bit. Um, I mean, I felt like if he got more playing time, he'd be he'd improve, definitely. But then when Jake Lamb came in, I was like, oh, wow, we, we needed this kind of caliber player. He came in and immediately just started hitting. But, you know, that change yeah. of scenery really helped him out. And then, so, I mean, I felt like he was he was solid. He was honestly a solid replacement for Matt Chapman during that year and even down the stretch in the postseason. I was really impressed by, you know, his play. And, I, I mean, I couldn't believe the Diamondbacks cut him. I mean, I really couldn't believe that. We stole that guy. Yeah, we that's, really a, that's the biggest thing is, like, what's happening in Arizona where somebody like him, like, they kind of gave up on him. It's nice. yes. Yeah. And he had, he had a lot of ball left. He just needed a change of scenery, and then mm-hmm. he really helped us. I, was really I feel like that happens a lot for the A's. Like the, they always take those guys who just need a change of scenery, and it like completely turns their game around. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're known for, right? So for me, it's it's a C plus. Um, whenever you lose your best player, and you have to replace it with someone else, you're definitely downgrading. Doesn't matter who it is. Like, I, and and that is part of my grade. Also. Like Chapman was having a rough fucking year, like you said, Xavier. Uh, batting wise, I mean, he was hitting bombs. I think he like led the team in bombs for a long time with like thirteen or something like that. But like, uh, it's just uh, his batting average was piss poor. He was great defensively. He always is. Um, 
So I think even if he doesn't get replaced, my I'm still grading it like around a C or a C plus. Um, Jake Lamb was fantastic when we got him. I was, didn't expect much. Julio was hyping him up to me over text a lot and being like, "He's gonna be great." Blah blah. blah. He's gonna turn around. I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit?" And he was really impressive. There, he was very hit or miss sometimes, but when he was on, he was fucking fire. And he his hits are so timely. That's the most important thing about him. Like he really got some big hits and some wins that we really needed it. Um, and he came up big in the playoffs too when we needed him um, a couple times. So, yeah, I mean, it's a C plus. I hope Chappie's going to be okay in the offseason. Sounds like everything's going fine. So, and he can return next year and be another MVP candidate like he is. So overall, what are you feeling like a C plus or C minus ish? Yeah, or, or C so. plus C plus B minus ish. It'd be a C plus. Yeah, yeah I'll say yeah, C plus. Yeah. I'll agree with that. C for Chapman. There you go. There you go. Uh, shortstop, um, the man, the myth, the legend, the captain, Marcus Simeon. No one else played uh, any games at that position this year. No, he was um, out. This year, no, he wasn't. Yeah, he was out for like uh, he was out for a couple of games this year. Yeah, he was. I think, uh, yeah, and my dude, I'll look that up. This Pachin was in there. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was God. thrown in there, and then you Picking had Lamb Machine. playing third. Um, all right, uh, uh, Julio, you go first. Oh, you love it. Um, I'd probably go C plus. Marcus was. It, it, it seemed like if there was anybody, we're kind of giving the most like he missed seven games. So relax over there. Cool. Anyways, <laughs> uh, if there was anybody, we probably had the loftiest expectations for this season. It was probably him, especially what he did in 2019, finishing third in MVP, coming into contract year. I'm like, all right, he's going to come in. He's going to tear it up. He's going to leave and get paid somewhere. Um, but I guess luckily, but also like not lucky of us that he kind of had a down year. Uh, defensively, he had his moments still where he – he kind of lost his confidence that he'd been building over the last couple of years. The bat took a little bit to really come alive again. Like it did in last year where he hit, uh, what was it? 33 home runs, um, compared to again, small sample seven this year, but in the postseason, he turned it back on again. He turned into what he, what we know who, who he is. Even before the 2019 MVP season, 2018, he was looked like he was coming along 2017. He was coming along, and it was exciting to finally see him turn into what he could be. Uh, but just the regular season, thankfully, the rest of the team was kind of carrying him when his bat wasn't there, especially at the top of the lineup. Uh, overall, though, I'd, I'd give him a C plus. Um, again, it, it's probably going to benefit us, benefit us in the long run because if he ends up staying in Oakland and takes a cheaper deal, it's probably because of like the falls he had during the season. Xavier, I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B. I mean, I think he means so much to the team. B for Bahadano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already do is throw B's, man. <laughs> yeah, man. See, so, yeah. So I feel like he just means so much. I mean, he's he's playing Gold Glove caliber shortstop. And considering where he came in when he first started, man, this guy couldn't even he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. This guy was just awful. But then, you know, Ron Washington worked his magic, and then he turned him, helped turn him into the player he is now. And then, plus, he's a local kid, Berkeley. 
Um, so, I mean, he, once again, he's playing for his hometown team, and then I, he just means so much more, not just to the A's, but to the community. And just to see him lose, uh, you know, maybe re-sign with somebody else, I mean, it, it's it's one of those heartbreaking feelings that, you know, us A's fans are accustomed to, unfortunately. But I feel like, I mean, if he were to leave, we just would not have a solid replacement to play that position. And so that's why I'm, I'm giving him a B just because what he can do at the plate, what he can do on the field. I mean, this guy's hit, this guy's hit, it was on a hidden terror last, last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he really helped uh, bring in some clutch runs. He had some clutch hits. I mean, he doesn't do too much with the ball either. He's going with the outside pitch, to the right field. He's not trying to pull it. He does have power. Uh, I'm gonna give it a B. And hopefully we can re-sign him. Um, I did see a report on MLB trade rumors that someone's going to offer him big money. So it means he's expected to get big money because this is a shortstop that we haven't that the free agent market hasn't seen come out in a while. So just wish him the best. If he does leave for the money, hey, he deserved it. My hats off to you. Um, I I mean I I give a B minus. I. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth, Xavier. It's just, th- I think the main thing, I, I, I get that he had his moments defensively, but more or less he was the, the stud that he he has been the past few years. He he had a few bad bad plays, one of them being in the wild card game, uh, which probably cost us a win in that series. Or ALDS, sorry, which probably cost us a win in game two. But for the most part, he was um, the anchor and what he means to this team um, just in general, in, in all aspects of his game and in all aspects of, of uh, um, his leadership in the clubhouse. I think Mark Canna said it best when he said, he's our captain, he's a great person, he's a great friend, or he's a great player and he's a great friend. Like, that's really, like, that just you know it means something um and think about the weight that he had to carry this season with Chappie going out um Matt Olson having his struggles um at the plate it's like I I I I feel like a lot of pressure was him always on him as as the uh as the leader of the team to uh to uh, uh whoops sorry to uh kind of like carry the offense and and carry you know them like kind of to the finish line in order to 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 make it to the postseason and I think that did affect his performance a little bit at the plate and on defensively so like I don't carry too much weight on what he did um offensively this season as as I do with other guys on the team because of Again, all the things that I said with his leadership and what he means to that team and how, how much weight he has to carry on his shoulders. Um, there are, uh, as an Oakland A's fan, you expect guys to, to leave and, and you don't try to get too emotionally attached. And there are certain guys that come around in a, once in a while that it hurts when they leave. It legitimately does. Jason Giambi was one of those guys. Um, Miguel Tejada, may, maybe, I don't know, maybe not so much. Barry Zito was one of those guys. This this one is going to hurt if he goes, which he probably is. This one is going to hurt. This one's probably going to hurt the most 
um, of all those guys for me. Um, so it's hard to give him lower than a B man because of just how how much he means, you know. And I, I just I gotta give respect to the dude. Uh, and also just being uh, a voice uh, uh, and a black man on that team, a black American during a year of racial, um, you know, justice movement or not justice, racial. I don't know. Racial injustice. Issues. Yeah, racial injustice movement. And uh, so I think that's important. So, yeah, that's my take. B minus. So yeah. what are we averaging out on that one? Uh, An A. <laughs> you cha- Yeah, you've sold me. Uh, I'd say, yeah, a solid, I'd say solid B minus. I think there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you brought up a lot of the good points that, like, dude, he does yeah. so much, like, off the field intangibles that you don't see every day that really are a huge impact with that team. So, and with that and team just also struggling offensively, really sad thinking about like, yeah, fuck, we might lose this. And that team just struggling offensively in the middle of the season, like that's just so much weight for him to carry to try and rally those guys. Like, no wonder why he couldn't hit as well to this year. Because, I mean, last year everything was running smoothly, so it wasn't as much pressure. Um, all right, let's move to the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start off with left field, of course. Um, all right, Julio, uh, left field. Guys are pretty good this year. I'm gonna give them a B plus. Uh, if we're gonna go, are we if the outfield, a left field God platoon of uh, Robbie Grossman and Mark Canna. Uh, Robbie was kind of the reverse Marcus in the sense of contract year. You're gonna play up, and Robbie was awesome. He had arguably like the best offensive season he's had. Maybe it's yeah. He's one of our most reliable hitters. It was yeah, insane. for the longest time, uh, we've <laughs> always relied on him with the glove. We know what he was able to do out there, but offensively, he was pretty freaking killer. Uh, I have the numbers in front of me. Sorry about that. Uh, okay, so end of the season didn't go great. He ended up hitting 241, but for the first month and a half, two months or so, he was probably the most consistent hitter in that lineup outside of Ramon, and mm-hmm. he's a plus defender. You're going to take that every day of the week, especially in a in a left field position where you're going to have so many right-handed hitters coming up and over there. Uh, Mark Cannon, on the other hand, he didn't really hit average wise. And a lot of people who don't really look past like the basic numbers, it sounds really pretentious of me, but I don't mean to come off that way. Um, but a lot of people that don't look back like the basic metrics like that, you're saying he sucked this year, but like he was still a pretty big on base percentage monster. We saw how patient he was at the plate constantly taking he had 37 walks this season yeah That's a ton yeah so games. he averaged what uh every other game he got a walk which is like pretty freaking awesome and something that this lineup yeah. needs um so he gets on base and uh what do we do somebody we get on base yeah we get on base there we go all right and he was fantastic with that he's still a pretty good defender we saw what he did during the uh, game two or game three of the wild card series. Uh, and it's also Robbie's probably going to be gone, but my hopes are that I think Canna uh, has finally proved time and time again, if we have all these different platoons, like dude, just keep him out there every day. I know, I know um, uh, Bo Mill really likes his matchups, but I think he's kind of matchup proven because we saw like in the shortened season, his average not there, but if you put him in, uh, I don't, I don't think he's fast enough to be a leadoff hitter. But if you put him like in a two hole, the dude's gonna get on base no matter what. He's gonna be in a p- 
potential position where he's going to have the, the chance to score because of how great he is at getting up there. So overall, uh, B+, plus, both great defenders. Offensively, they didn't put up the gaudiest numbers, but they did what they had to do. I feel like he kind of won that position last year. I, I just think that Bob Melvin's really big on like giving guys rest out there because it's just a, it's it's a lot of wear and tear on your body r- running around all that. You Especially know, Oakland, that the, ground. the foul grounds and everything yeah. too. All right, Xavier. I'm going to go C plus above average. Um, Grossman, oh, interesting. Grossman did exceed expectations for that first month. Considering that last year he had a he had a down year last year. Yeah. I mean, last year when he came up, we're like, man, this this guy's gonna hit a double player. I mean, we need a big hit. He's not gonna do it. But this year, he he really saw the ball well. Um, once again, he wasn't doing too much. We did see a little bit of power from him too, which was pretty surprising, honestly. Um, he did have a good glove out there, and I also did like the Canna platoon. I mean, Canna is pretty good defensively. I mean, his arm isn't really there, but mm-hmm. I mean, he does have good defensive knack out there you can see the ball out there and at the plate he he was really seeing the ball well he his eye really improved like i was he was taking some incredible takes like wow how would you know that ball it looked like it was like a few inches off the plate maybe an inch and then he would he guessed right so i feel like um we need we need to keep canna i know he's got only one year left on his contract if we can re-sign him then that would be a big plus for, for depth and even give this, give him the starting role next season in left field. The only thing is we got two outfielders coming up that are pretty solid prospects and Sky Bolt and um, I forget the other guy. Seth name. Brown? No. Um, I, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so the, re- the reality is he's probably going to walk after that season because they're going to bring up these two guys who are more or less ready to start playing. Uh, you were going to say something, Lou? Yeah, so you talked about the bat. I had to look it up real quick. He hit eight home runs this year in a 60-game season. Um, so, what, regular, if this was a full season, he'd be on pace for, like, 20 or so. But That's pretty good. His previous career high was 11, so he was three away in a shortened season. So He's going to blow through that next season. If you give yeah. him a full season, he's going to blow through 11. Yeah. Well, oh, you're talking about Robbie Grossman. No, though, Robbie. Right? No, yeah. Mar- um, Canna, I he had a. Oh, sorry, Canna hit five. Yeah, Canna hit five. I'm saying, yeah, it's I think fault. last year he had 26. I had in front of me. Mm-hmm. Second, no, Robbie Grossman hit eight. So a like, career high 11. Yeah. He was right there. Um, he's probably not going to come back, but I think a lot of teams will take somebody like him easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. Definitely contending teams who need help in the outfield. Um, all right, I'm giving it a B plus. I'm higher on on that. I think that Robbie Grossman was good the first month when we needed him to be good. Like when those guys were struggling, our stars, and it was pretty much the Ramon Laureano, Mark Canna, and Robbie Grossman uh, uh, show. It was like the outfield was the only ones who were contributing to the offense, and they were really bringing in runs when you needed them to. Um, yeah, Grossman, we know what he can do with his glove. His arm's not great, but we know what he can do with his glove, and he covers a lot of ground. He it exceeded that again this year. Mark Hanna, yeah, I mean, like, the guy just fucking walks, and mm-hmm. it's great. Like, he just sees the ball so well, and he has so much discipline. Like, last year, his OBP was 296. This year, he repeated it again, 287. Like, his average wasn't great, but it's a shortened season. And we also got to remember, we play in Oakland Coliseum, so you could argue that a typical average, you bring it down, like, 10 to 15 points. Like, this is a full season. He's probably hitting 255, which is 
fantastic for him. I mean, like he had 273 last year, but 255 in the Oakland Coliseum is, is a great average. Um, he only had five home runs, yeah, but he again, he walked 37 times. The guy has so much great plate discipline, and he gets the hits when you need him, covers a lot of ground in the outfield. I, I, I disagree with you about his arm, Xavier. I feel like he has a big arm. He played right field a lot, and, and his, his arm is accurate. His throws are always right on point, whether he has the strength to get him there or not. They're always right there. Um, I yeah, I mean I I I I'm really high. On, I don't I'm not worried about this position moving forward. Uh, like at all. He's also a uh, big proponent in uh, bat flip season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He also that's a good point. And, he likes to have fun out there. Oh yeah, big time. And uh, off the field stuff, we don't really know too much about the A's do their personal life to see his Instagram, Big League Foodie, and see all the big places league going. Big League Foodie, in. dude. That's like, oh, I love that shit. What does he do? What does Wait, do you do? not follow him? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, he's, he's a, a follow. He's a yeah. He, I'll follow him, dude. He's a huge foodie. He's like content whenever. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like during the regular seasons, whenever they're traveling, he'll just find out any like really highly rated restaurants. He'll do like little mini food reviews on there. He's like a huge, huge food like food head. Um, nice. So even like when they were in Japan, I think uh, like Bowmel had been there before, so he was taking him to the spots in Tokyo to go check out. Uh, He's easily like the best person of all on Instagram, besides Sean Manaya nice. when he was posting that he was buying vodka when they were going to quarantine in March. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to center field. Overall, oh, Ramon. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Overall, B. Oh, oh yeah. you do that. Yeah, so I got I, him I, a B plus. I gave him B plus. What did you give him? C plus for me. C plus. Oh yeah, so a B. B. Okay, all right, cool. that's good. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, center field Ramon Loriano. Um, he only missed five games, so we'll just say that he pretty much um, played that position all season in five games, obviously, for the bullshit suspension that he got. Uh, or no, four games. Four games. Um, all right, Julio, what did you think of Ramon this season? <sighs> Tell two seasons, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna get remember, him- we were calling, remember we were calling the player of the week the, the Ramon Laureano, the honorary Ramon Laureano player of the week award because we were giving it to him like the first Dude, three weeks in a row. Those first three weeks this season, it's like, oh, oh shit, he's here. Like, this guy's going to be a potential MVP candidate. Uh, yeah. He's going to be an all star. He was pretty much the spark plug at the top of the lineup. And something happened. Something happened that day with Alex Introne with the skirmish that broke out where um, he he just wasn't the same player after that. The glove is still there. Yeah. Obviously, he was a top three uh, gold glove finalist and center. Um, we should have known how great of a defender he was because of how well he defended his mother's name to Alex and Trone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he just kind of fell into the same problem a lot of the lineup was falling into was just like they were yeah. being super responsible at the plate, just constantly swinging. Um, they were kind of getting tied up. He was kind of getting tied up in like hero ball where just, I'm just going to hit the ball as far as I can and see if it gets out. Um, yeah. And he was still doing his job in the, in the field. So obviously you're going to give him the credits there, but something happened to him and I don't know how to describe what it was. And I don't know if we're ever going to know mentally or just, I don't know if just taking that much time off in a shortened season really affected him. Who knows? Um, so overall, I'm going to give him a C. Uh, if if this was beginning of the year, Ramon, and he stayed at that A freaking plus throughout the roof. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah, but just it, it was a tell two seasons. It was a little concerning. Going forward, 
obviously the guys can be stood out there. We know what he's going to do, but it was just a weird, weird thing. It was like a freaky Friday. Situation. It's a weird season. It's a weird season of this team in general. Uh, all right, Xavier, what, how are you feeling? I'm good to see as well. I mean, yeah, like Julio said before the suspension, this guy was just on a tear. Mm-hmm. This guy was just on fire. He was hitting the ball every which way and making solid contact, hitting, hitting lasers, laser Ramon. Mm-hmm. But then after that that brawl, he he was starting to he lost it, and then he just became part of the bottom third of the lineup. Yeah, and he just hated to see that because you know how much potential this guy has, and then he he was just having an off an off season right after that. But I mean, I'm not worried about it. I feel like next year he's going to have a way a way better, you know, completely opposite year. Um, his his glove is still there. His arm is still there. So I mean, he does have the pieces still. I mean, he's young too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he just had a bad season, and plus it was very shortened. So I mean, maybe that pressured him yeah. to to hit. The, you know, the dude's twenty six years old. Yeah, he's, he's under contract until two two thousand twenty five. Like, we don't have to worry. About, he's a, he doesn't even have arbit. He's not even arbitration eligible until twenty twenty two. Like, yeah. he's gonna open that new stadium for us. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. Uh, we are we all given the same grade? We are. We're all we this all give it first, a C. I think it's the first one. Yeah, yeah, we're all wow. given a C. C C for Chris. Um, <laughs> hey, you said you said the B for 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 him earlier. Yeah, I mean it. Like we, I know we keep saying it, but like we can't under exaggerate enough. Like literally the af- the second of the Cintron fight. It's like a just a switch happened with him, and he was just from our best player to like our biggest liability at the at the plate. It made no sense at all. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know if Centrone like like knocked him in. They didn't actually fight, but I don't know if it knocked him in his brain and just like fucked up his like sense of like of seeing the strike zone or what. But it was like complete. It was like two different guys this season. I mean, he ended the season at bad hitting two thirteen. It's it, brutal. Um, I, it's a bummer. But yeah, his glove was still there. His his arm was still there. He's still a defensive stud out there. He's gonna win a Gold Glove one of these days. He's a human highlight reel defensively, just throwing out guys left and right. I I love how just the A's in general have this reputation because of Ramon, because of Canna, because of Biscotti, all having these like big arms. I like how the age no one just no one runs on us anymore. Did you guys notice that in the playoffs? Like they held up guys at third regularly in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. because we just have this reputation of throwing guys out that no one wants to run on us. He's the reason why. Because he's a human highlight reel when it comes to his arm. It's insane. I love it. Um, so yeah, it's a C for me he'll, and I'm not worried about it either. It's just, it's a weird season. He'll come back. He'll hit like 280 with like 25 to 30 home runs next season. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. He's, he's one of the, our building blocks and our stars moving forward. So it'll be fine. Um, all right. Right field. Um, I don't know. They kind of like rotated around a lot, but it was mostly Piscotti, you know? Um, I don't know. What, what, what about you? What, what do you say, Julio? Um, this is probably, I know you're a big, Piscotti guy, so we're probably gonna run into some controversy here. Um, <laughs> honestly, after kind of looking more about it, I'm gonna give him a C. C. Overall, um, there was a time, and I look. I'll be real with you guys. I was not excited for Piscotti this season. He had a pretty disappointing 
year last year where he was hurt and even when he was playing he wasn't playing great compared to 2018 where he hit what 20 27, 27, home, 27 runs, home runs 267 average yeah so freaking awesome yeah really and um he had a pretty disappointing year last year so i was i was kind of nervous um about what's gonna happen with this season but there was a point to the season where he looked fantastic he was probably our most consistent hitter when we really needed him to be when it was like the middle of August or like uh, end of August, uh, beginning of September. He also hit the go ahead grand slam against the giants. So shout out to him yeah. for that. That was awesome. One of my True. favorite moments of the season. Uh, but there's some stuff that if you look at him overall, uh, you might have to be a little concerned about it. His on base percentage was significantly down from the last two seasons. Slugging percentage is down. Uh, he struck. He's out- never big a bit. He's never been a big OBP yeah. guy though. Yeah, it, he struck out fifty three times. Which our team, that's if there's anything we really got to fix going forward is like you got to figure out how the hell we're going to be ba- play disciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it we're gonna have. He's probably gonna be better than what we can get to be realistic and what we have in our farm right now. But this is something that. We should probably be a little more aware of. Obviously, we all love him. We all we're so excited for him to come back to the East. Another Bay hometown play, hero. Yeah, another hometown hero. Uh, but if we're gonna need a little more consistent play throughout the season, if we want to be, because we saw what Houston easily just knocked us out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, we're gonna need a little more, little more consistent play from his position like that. So I still have faith in them. I think he can still do it. But there's some. Uh, things to be nervous about. So I'm going to give him a C overall. Mm-hmm. What about you, X? I'm going to give him a C minus, man. I'm not, I mean, he's good defensively. He has a, he has a strong arm, but at the plate, I mean, he just, he seems like another liability. Hmm. Um, yeah, this past season, he, he, you know, didn't really produce as he did the year before. I mean, he's getting 7.5 million this year, 7.5 next year. And for the A's, that's a lot of money. I mean that jumps up to fifteen mil in twenty in twenty twenty three. So if he's still doing this, you know, putting out the same level of um, production, he's going to be gone. You know, that's just too much money to be giving that guy if, if he's not going to be producing consistently. You know, but I mean, uh, I'm rooting for the guy. Like I said, there, there, uh, like you guys said, there's going to be plenty of there's plenty of time for him to turn around, especially with the one sixty two game season. Hopefully. Um, so I mean I, but I'm not gonna hold my breath honestly. I just, I know he's a local kid, but we we need guys to produce, you know. And I just feel like at the plate he's just hasn't been there. So I mean that's just why I'm giving him that C minus. He's a very streaky hitter. That's kind of his his thing. A lot like a lot of our best guys. All of our all of our best guys except for like Marcus are very streaky hitters. Um. I love, I just love Piscotti so much, man. I I want him to turn around, but yeah, this was a tough season for him at the play. I I he's a veteran, and you need to be able to rely on him too. So mm-hmm. like, he's got to he's got to figure this one out. We got him for two more seasons, uh, oh three more seasons actually. Um, hopefully he can turn it around and figure it out. But uh, I, I I yeah, I mean, there's not any better. Who would you rather have out there? Chad Pinder? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like Chad there's, Pinder yeah. as the utility yeah. guy. I, there's I, nobody can we can do that. And he's reliable defensively out there. You know that he's going to cover that ground and he's going to throw guys out. So it's just like, 
I, I, it, this, the more we talk about it, it sounds like it's a Darren Bush issue that we've had this season. Like he's got to put together a better game plan for these pitchers because like these, the hitting issues are just, it's just straight streakiness. And like, we can't have streaky hitters. Like if we want to win, a, a get past the American league divisional series, like our hitters need, can't be this inconsistent. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. It's just one of those um, things we, we talked about when we were doing the pre-show. It's like, dude, it's uh, <sighs> Because we thought there was going to be a much more of a higher turnover with managers this year, and there wasn't. It's like it's just so small of a sample size, and like, who is the reality? Is like our pitch, our hitters really aren't that great, or is it Darren Bush is going to be kind of not a great hitting coach? We're going to find out next year, really. Yeah. Um, but so overall, though, what I think we were. Well, what was your oh, I gave him a C minus, by C the way. C minus. Okay. So, uh, C. I'll give him a C. Um, C for Piscot, the cot, Piscotti, whatever. Anyways. You can just stop right there. Mm-hmm. And we cool. can just keep. What's going. next? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Let's next. Let's go. We'll go to the starting pitching as a whole. Um. All right, Julio. Uh, I, I, I'm high on this one, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the more I kind of was thinking about throughout the day, me too, man. I'm gonna give him a B plus. Uh, Chris Bassett. We didn't talk about this earlier. Chris Bassett actually was. C-Bass. Yeah, Chris Bassett got some Cy Young votes. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League. Uh, and Chris, you're not gonna hear me say this often, but you were right, man. You were right. I'm always right, baby. Uh, I'm always Mason right. and I at the beginning of the year were kind of like, ah, oh, he's gonna fall off at some point. Nope, he didn't. He was fantastic. Um, our easily our best pitcher. Uh, Sean Manaya was not great. And then he it clicked again. He was great again. And then he he went from being terrible to fucking best pitcher in the league. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. his he he was it, the the amazing turnaround he had was incredible. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Frankie, fantastic start to the season, got hurt, and then he was just awful. Um, and then he bounced back a little bit. He had a decent start. Crucial from the bullpen. Exactly. Came crucial when he had that last start of the season against the Mariners. And then he was what he did against the White Sox. And then uh, Jesus, I don't think he lived up to what our expectations were. But I that doesn't mean it's going to kind of um, like dampen our hype for him. Because there were some, some starts he had where he looked excellent. He looked like he was consistent. Yes. He was consistent. Yeah. Um, and then with Mike Fires, it, it was last year. This is going to be his last year in Oakland. Let's be real. There's a lot of movement that's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I it, it, it was okay. It was whatever. The only thing mm-hmm. I, I think is going to be a, again, we don't know if this is a 60 game season thing or if this is something we should be more aware of going forward. Is like our guys barely lasted past five. And I know they were probably being a little more cautious with Manaya and Lazardo coming back from those big injuries, but it, it was a little concerning. That was like that. But, but besides that Bassett was fantastic overall. I'd give him a B plus. But Julio, do you think that's an analytics thing or do you think that's a uh, pitchers not pitching well thing? Cause Bob Melvin is an analytics manager. It could it could have been. Um, you're not wrong. And with it, how dominant the bullpen was too, like he probably wouldn't take advantage of that. Yeah, I think there was like something like, like easily less than ten starts were 
at least six innings, which like counts as like yeah. a quality start. So uh, who knows? Especially again, you 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 pointed out when your bullpen is dominant as it was this season, you kind of have that leeway. But um, mm-hmm. I, I would give it a, a B plus though, though. All right, Xavier. I'm gonna give it a B. Honestly, um, I feel like our starting pitchers have a lot of potential in this past season with injuries and inconsistencies. They just didn't perform how we know they can perform, you know? Like, you know, Lazardo, he had a, a four-point-some ERA. We know this guy um, can pitch a lot better because we've seen him play in the wild-card game against the Rays, and then he was just dominant for three innings, just three up, three down. Uh, Montas, I mean, him with him again – and. We, we know what he could do, like last year with the full game before the season he got suspended. Yeah, he was cheating, but he was he was dominant. And then that back injury really derailed him, and then he was just way off his game to the point yeah, where... Yeah, that injury fucking... It, 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 it messed with yeah. him bad. Yeah. Bassett, though, Bassett's clearly our best pitcher. He had like a sub 2.5 ERA last season. And then I feel like uh, we're going to rely on him to carry that over to be top dog. Uh, but, I mean... I feel like we have a lot of potential. Plus, Puck, I mean, if he can stay healthy, then, you know, that's that's going to be a dominant asset we're going to have for him. Uh, we're going to be – we're pretty deep. I, I really like our starting pitching. Um, they have they have a lot of potential. We, we know what they can do. You know, and just if you give them that 162, that's going to release some stress to the point where maybe they can just relax up at the mound and give solid six, maybe hopefully seven. Because, I, I mean, I know we had a deep – bullpen a solid bullpen but you, you don't want to go to your bullpen every day you know after the fifth inning you're just going to wear out your quality arms mm-hmm. and then we're, we're going to need them for you know for intense games you know you always want to give them some some rest so i i, I like it i like where we're going i uh, just want them to get a full 162 and I, we should be all right so i'm gonna give it a solid b um I think this is our second best position um, behind what our next category is going to be. Uh, I was, I mean, they, they were consistently good. Like they obviously they were all over the place, but like they consistently got the job done, and uh, they attributed to what was the most important thing: getting a W on our record. You know, mm-hmm. um, Chris Bassett's amazing. I fucking, I mean, yeah, I did call it. I'm just gonna say. Um, Take, he, take that he, lap. Take that victory lap. I'm <laughs> taking multiple victory laps on that one. Uh, he was great last season. He was fantastic this season. Like I've been saying all all season on this podcast, he's going to be the veteran moving forward that grounds the rotation. The A's always have that vet in the middle of the rotation that just grounds it. The Mike Fires, the excuse me, Bartolo Colon, you, know, you name it, Tim Hudson. He's going to be that guy. He's under contract for f- three more years. Like, that's who he's going to be. He's not going to be our best pitcher. I think Jesus Lazardo is going to be our our ace, and this is just his rookie season. Like he he will definitely take the next level up, and he will be in that conversation and lead our staff. But this is going to be our our grounding veteran. Uh, Shamanaya's complete one eighty was phenomenal. I remember we were talking about Julio on this podcast in the first couple weeks. Like, what do you do with him? Uh, should we put him in the bullpen? This is he's becoming a liability, and then he just instantly just turns it around and he was fantastic looks like he doesn't need the velocity he he can mix up his pitches and he can and he can confuse guys at at the plate and he can make it work um i 
Montaz, uh, he's so fucking weird, man. He's either like fucking, he's either the best pitcher in the league one day or he's the worst the next day. Like, it makes no sense. There needs to be some more stability there with him. I don't know what his deal is, if the injury really fucked him up. I don't know, man. He's got to figure that out. Um, Mike Fires is gone. I'm not really going to talk about him. But at the end of the day, we need that ace that we can go into a playoff series and know he's going to dominate that game one. We do not have that yet. Maybe mm. Lazardo can be that one day, but right now we do not have we that. We don't have and that they need dog. To, they need to find that this offseason. They need to find. They need to get that Bauer. They need to get that Lance Lynn. They need to get that. Charlie Morton, uh, would you go after him? Charlie he's Morton, yeah, he's getting older, but yeah, maybe if the, Charlie If Morton. they can afford him. There's a mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't want to get too far into the potential talk, um, mm-hmm. but if there's somebody that like is has like Oakland A's written all over him, it's Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber, yeah, that's We're a like, good one. Dude, I would like that. That yeah, like like up, you said, Xavier, that dog who goes in there, we who knows dog. he's gonna go in there and dominate that performance and get his team hyped and get that confidence from his team and they're gonna win. Um, the guy who does the dance after he strikes someone out, like Trevor Bauer. That's what I want. I want to see one of those guys. We've that never Marcus had Stroman. Like that. Marcus Stroman would be great too. Uh, we no, we haven't. Like no, man. Well, I mean, not since not since Barry Zito. Well, Sonny was top three. Cy Young and Sonny fourteen. Yeah, that's Sonny. a good one. Sonny. Bartolo was Touché. pretty dominant twelve, but like. Uh, and then you know what? And then I don't want to go back to this. And then they took the fucking ball out of his hand and they gave it to John Lester, and that was the end of our season. Like if they would have just believed in Sonny to be that dog, we would. We anyway. That right, wasn't all. Ahead, that was not on Lester. I, I go to the gray with that was not on Lester. He had no pickoff move. He was getting stolen on all fucking. He day. left the game eight three. He left the game. It was eight three. I don't know. That's another discussion, but I yeah. really feel strongly <laughs> that, about that. There's a whole look. We're opening a can of worms at that. With, uh-huh. We have our reasons why. John when you guys do, we're, when you guys analyze that game, I want to be on the show. That'd be a fun. Hey, we'll dude, it, that'd be a funny episode. Just do a rewatch. Yeah. A rewatchables. A rewatchables yeah. of a game. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So overall, Chris, what was your grade again? Uh, mine's an A. A, and then I gave B plus. You were at a B. Uh, B plus overall. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Love All it. right. Let's move on to uh, uh, relief pitching. Uh, I think is the best part of the best position of our team. Julio, go ahead. Uh, it's going to be named after the uh, classic Emma Stone 2010 teen drama. This is an easy A for me, man. A plus. The <laughs> bet. Not only did we have the best closer, or we had, unfortunately, yeah. probably the best closer with Liam. Um, but, like, everybody else around him was freaking excellent. Jake Diekman was somebody who was so wishy-washy last year. He really was fantastic. He only gave up one run throughout the whole season. Uh, Yusmira Petit was our innings hog. He was did what he needed to do. Uh, Joaquin Soria was fantastic as well. J.P. Wendelkin, to me personally, I think he's probably going to be our future closer. He has the stuff there. I think he really had some – he showed the looks of it last year, but this year he really solidified himself. But you I think know what? AJ hey, Puck might be our future closer. Yeah, or AJ Puck, you. we'll see. But uh, before I kind of pass it all to Xavier, because not too much we can really say to this. We know how dominant they were. Hey, give a shout out to our fallen soldier man, Birch Smith. Bad Birch is only. Birch Smith. Birch Smith was freaking awesome. I he was really, good. I'm excited to see what he can potentially do next year. He was mm-hmm. looked like he was going to be that guy to kind of 
if shit were to hit the fan in the fourth or fifth inning with the starter, he was going to come in there and take over for that. Yeah. And if he can get back to what he was, I think he's going to play a huge part of this rotation of what this identity is going to look like as a pitching. Um, but do we have the best closer in baseball, arguably the best bullpen overall, even without the names there. So I'm going to give them an a plus Xavier. I'm going to give it an easy a. one. I'm going to give it an a. Yeah. Um, yeah. Consistency. They were, they were consistent throughout the whole season. I was really impressed. I mean, you'd have people coming up from uh, Vegas. I'm like, Oh, who's, who's Weems? Who's this Weems kid, but coming in lights out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who's Burt Smith lights out? I mean, I was just, I was impressed, honestly. And then I feel like, uh, I think we're okay. I think our, we have some questions, in my opinion, the back end of the bullpen. I mean, do you throw Trevino in there as like a seven or eight guy? I mean, we see that he hasn't been the same since 2018. There's a lot of moves to be made this coming off season. I don't, I don't know. A lot of it depends on if Hendricks comes back or not, which probably he doesn't. He's probably and he not. Had, but... And Trevino actually had some a couple weeks like the beginning of September because I highlighted him that he was pretty dominant for a short time. Um, but then, yeah, like towards the end of September playoffs again, he kind of crumbled a little bit. Mm-hmm. We, but, uh, we, do you want to rely on him as that, as that number, number no, yeah, exactly, that setup exactly. man though? That's the no. thing. And we are going to have to figure that out this off season because Soria has gone and, and the petite's probably gone. Yeah. But I feel like we could afford to lose petite. I see him like towards the end of the year. He didn't have his stuff like he did as when he was most effective. Maybe he was just getting older because, I mean, when we've seen that the playoff series against the Astros, they lit him up. And, yeah, it was the Astros, but, I mean, he didn't have his stuff at the same time. But, I mean, I feel like the young guns in the bullpen are really going to propel us and be dominant, hold it down. Well, I think we're, we're still going to have a top 10 bullpen next season for sure. Yeah. I'm not worried about the bullpen too much either. Um, I, I I I don't think Petit comes back. I think he retires, man. He's old. Like I just don't. I, I mean, maybe a team will sign him. But who knows? Um. Uh. And Deekman's probably gonna be our closer next season. Deekman was lights out. It's. I mean, he should have been. Had if had there been an All Star game, he would have been an All Star too, along with Liam Hendricks. Like I mean. This one's an easy one for me too. It's an A plus. Like Liam Hendricks was a reliever of the year. We were the best bullpen all season. Like it, not even close. They talked about it on baseball tonight, like regularly, which they never talk about the A's on baseball tonight. Like it's it's easy. It was this is an A plus. We don't have, we don't have to talk too much about it. There's a lot of question marks moving forward. We're losing a lot of guys, but at, like you guys both just said, like there's a lot of young guys that just like were so dominant this year. You just it's next man up. When Delkin jumps up the setup man trevino can be a key piece if he gets together uh weems had some some good signs aj puck who knows maybe he's a starter maybe he's a reliever there i mean we're we're gonna be fine we have a lot of guys in the farm system in general that could fill those roles james caprillion uh grant holmes i mean the list goes on and on um let's finish it off we'll not technically finish it off but we'll we'll uh finish off the actual positions with the dh position a mess uh julio um if okay so if we're gonna just say just chris davis straight up because we know like there's a lot of guys platooning in there but we've already talked about them at their individual positions chris davis straight up dude c minus uh actually no i'm gonna go with the d yeah that's Uh, what i'm thinking yeah yeah yeah, i'm I'm sorry yeah he with the d too there was a lot of expectations where like pre-camp stuff hype where they're just like yep his swing is back he looks like he's getting it together 
We saw signs of it in the postseason. He was art him, uh, Pender and uh, Marcus were like our best players easily in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Murphy. Yeah, uh, and Murphy. Yes, of course. I'm sorry, and Murphy. But yeah. uh, yeah, I it's it sucks. It sucks because like we know what he can do. I personally wouldn't be shocked if he's not on this team next year. Um, I don't know who's. He had such a good postseason though. Like I feel like they they have to be like, oh, these are signs. Maybe we can. He's got it back. <laughs> yeah, but like if you have the when you know how. If it, in reality, like our our farm system's kind of depleted, we don't have anybody who's really gonna be the next this guy kind of thing. And um, there's a there, the reality is like, dude, we probably have to stock up a little bit with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not, they're not gonna do re- not stock up. We we can win now. I I get what you're saying though. But no, like, but like yeah, let's be real. Like we're not like they're not gonna move Ramon. They're not gonna move Ollie or. Or Chapman or Sean Murphy. Um, I don't know what you get for Chris Davis right now. You can't get much because he's got a high contract and then yeah. he hasn't been putting His out trade anything. value is so low. Yeah. Honestly, if you can flip him, well, let's see. If the National League does expand to DH, I don't think it's going to happen this year. You're going to make things easier. But if you can flip him to a team that's like kind of almost there, and if you can give get him like a more hitter friendly park, somebody would take it. He's on a. He has one mm-hmm. year left on his deal. Um, I don't want to go too far into that. We'll save it for later. But it's just like, damn. I just seeing how he was this season. I think his time in Oakland is. The reality is, it's probably over. So I'm gonna give him a D. Same. I'm gonna give him a D as well. I mean, when we when back when they announced that he was getting an extension, I was like, oh yeah, you know this guy. We're just gonna see this guy match home runs left and right. And it seemed like to me after that injury in Pittsburgh last year when he ran mm-hmm. into the wall, he yeah. hasn't been the same. Yeah. I mean, he's he's stepping out the box. He's just swinging late swings. It seems like he's swinging like a, a tree branch up there. Like he doesn't seem relaxed. He seems like he's doing – he just seems all over the place. And, and he used to have insane bat speed too. That's the that's the craziest thing about it. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, he, he had a good postseason. Or two, it seemed like two games, maybe three, but then he'd hit that home run against Houston, and the next day he goes 0 for 4. So, I mean, he's, talk about streaky, this guy's the epitome of streaky. I mean, he hasn't been there this year, and even last year after that Pittsburgh injury. So, I mean, I mean, I hope that he pulls it together. I really hope he pulls it together. I mean, we want to see him do good, because we know he's a good dude. I mean, he he's a good clubhouse guy. Everybody in the clubhouse loves him, but... Yeah, yeah. He he needs to perform like he really is, or this is for sure his last year. And you don't want to see that. Yeah. It's a D for me too. I don't really need to add too much to what you guys all said. It, it sucks. Cause I love the guy. And when they extended him, you're like, fuck yeah, the A's are changing. Like, this is going to be great. Like he's got to deliver to like make them feel good about this. And he hasn't, which is frustrating. So, and that kind of makes it hard to extend other guys. Cause because yeah, man, Fisher, he, you know, he likes to hold out his money. And then he's not going to want to spend money like on Chapman or somebody if he's saying, well, last time I gave somebody money, he didn't do shit. So, I mean, yeah. you don't want to see that. Um. All right. right, let's. What, what, what's up, Julio? Here's my hot take. The team that will trade for him. Toronto. Uh, Contending team. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Look <laughs> um, it. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the last 
position that's not a position. Manager, Julio. Um, it's tricky. This this season's been very hmm. conflicted with Bomel. Um, I I'd give a B minus. I think that he did the best. Look, this season was not an easy season. We already know that. Uh, he I think he did the best of his abilities. He got him to a division title. They finally got over that that hump of Houston, albeit with some luck with Houston having a ton of injuries towards the beginning and middle of the season to kind of take advantage of that. They beat bad teams, which is what you really need to do to become a good team. Um, but in the playoffs, it, it, it kind of just felt like the same old, same old. We were all kind of calling, well, not all of us, but a lot of us are kind of calling for his head after game one of the wildcard series on why would you start Lazardo over Chris Bassett and um, it, it panned out in the end, but there's still some concerns. Um, I know we're not going to talk about managers as a whole, but I think we do. We probably should acknowledge Darren Bush and how inconsistent, at least how he's teaching or, or training or managing these hitters. Um, putting together look, the we, game we plans had, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, game plan. Yeah, we understand. Look, Scouting you're never going to be a high. We rarely have high average hitters in Oakland, but they're just it's strikeouts galore, and that's something mm-hmm. that management really needs to work on. I know Bo and something we brought up. Came up with this last episode or something I tweeted about, which was um, in this last 2019 Wild Card series against the Rays. Bowmile came out and said, like, yeah, we're going to really focus on hitting and scoring position with runners in score position, all that. And uh, it didn't really improve. So um, I'd imagine it's weird. I would think the the leash is going to be short for this Mm -hmm. season. But at the same time, I feel like John Fisher is so stand pat. You're doing enough to get us contending where people are going to care and people are going to go to games and spend money there. That that's all I want, because in mm-hmm. reality he doesn't care about winning. Um, but I'm gonna go B minus. The highs are highs, but the lows are low. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a B. Um, Bowmill, I mean, I I mean his strengths. I'm gonna talk about his strengths and his weaknesses. He is a player's coach. I mean, everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. They want to play hard for him and. You know, he and it's lucky because I mean, not every manager is a player's coach. You're seeing what's going on over in Chicago. Everyone hates mm-hmm. Tony Larusa already, and he has even stepped foot. So I mean, we're really lucky to have a player's coach. Uh, everyone buys into you know, everyone wants to win for play for this guy. Well, I mean, within the clubhouse, I mean, his weaknesses. I don't think he can really manage a bullpen when it matters. Uh, in the Astro series, I forgot who was pitching. Montas, I think it was. The first time around, he, he did really well. And then when Houston started to hit him, they hit a home run. Okay, they put Houston in front. Okay, it's it's a do or die. Why not start getting somebody warmed up right now? Don't wait until they hit another bomb, mm-hmm. and then you start to get somebody up. I just think that he overmanages, or he doesn't really know how to manage the bullpen uh, quite well as other managers across the league can do. Um, and then his, his as far as his staff, I'm not sure why Al Padrique was left go. Um, that was kind of a shocker because um, he did 
I mean, we he did help uh, make us one of the best defensive um, fielding teams out there. And mm-hmm. then kind of find out he gets let go for some reason. That's That was quite a bit of a shocker for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to feed off what Julio said. Darren Bush, I don't really like the guy. Um, I mean, I'm sure, like, the game plan from all, all last season and then years past with Darren Bush is take your pitch, which is true. Take your pitch. You don't want to, you know, do too much. But all these strikeouts is just too much, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. There's something going on with the scouting reports where that he's not seeing stuff like in the in the because like the, he's definitely preaching, um, see your pitches, go deep into in the count and and go from there. But like whatever he's seeing in from these these scouting reports from these pitchers deep in the count, it's not working because they get fooled every time. Half of the half of these pitches, half of these strikeouts are like our strikeouts looking like <laughs> they just they just don't they make terrible decisions and i, I agree it's it's got to change it's got to change but i can never give personally for me i can never give bob melvin a bad grade so mine's an a um i just believe in everything that he does he does have trouble managing bullpens in the playoffs but he somehow finds a way to get these like young immature and not developed teams to play well um I thought he did pretty good this season. They were in first place for two-thirds of the season. It wasn't until Chappie got hurt that they really started to slide down the the, the, rain, the standings a little bit. Not his fault. Not his fault. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's a 60-game season. It's really a sprint. Every game matters. Yeah. So, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on the players, too. So, I mean, it's yeah. not all his fault. Especially yeah. when, like, they got hit with COVID and they're playing, what, three, four, like, doubleheaders and, like, 18 days off yeah. 18 days in a row so no yeah uh we we can't really hate on him at all because it's mm-hmm. like he did the best way he could do with that and that's what makes him great that makes what makes him a great mm-hmm. manager so is that so that's gonna do it for the report card overall good, good job guys overall as a team though um i'll go ahead and start it off i'd give i give a b overall yeah, solid. I would agree, honestly. Yeah, I would give it a B too. I the playoff disappointment makes me go lower. I think if we go to the ALCS, then it's a little bit higher for me. But you guys want to hear my hot take? Let's hear it. This is it, or it's going to be blown up. This coming season? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, no, I agree one hundred percent. We need we need um, people in our minor league system when we're we're very thin on that. So the I farm's mean, dying. Yeah, this is. Do I would or die. say that the only people that they don't get rid of would be Chappie and Oli, and then everybody else would be gone. Da, I could see mm-hmm. them getting gone. I think the only people I, I can see think, Chapman being gone. You can get the most prospects out of trading Chappie. I think it's hey, going to be already proven that he doesn't want to play here. Like I'm not bought into him wanting to to stay. Chappie? Yeah, that's just. Oh, the why? Vibe why I'm do you getting. say that? I mean, I mean, yeah, he's speaking truth. I keep, remember that one comment when uh, during the year when. Oh, how do you feel about not playing with fans? Oh, well, we're kind of used to it, and mm. you know, yeah, that's the truth. But I mean, that's just. Well, no, know. he also said that thing where he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to testing free agency at one point too." Yeah, he says everybody, oh, every player, that's true. Does, that's a good every point. player dreamed, you know, to test free agency. So I mean, that's telling yeah. me right there. I would think the only person that probably want to get locked down because of how friendly their contract is is Ramon, mm-hmm. and then yeah, maybe, and then probably like Lazardo and Puck. But, well, 
Yeah, I hate you for bringing that up. No, let's not end it on a, on a yeah. I, let's not end it on a negative note. Uh, let's, uh, I've got scramble. Something nice to say. Uh, shit. I, Can't uh, wait for 2021. World yeah. Series chance. There we go. Hey, World uh, Series 2021. So, and then they won't sell anybody. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we well free agency starting. So maybe we'll know some stuff by then. We'll know. Yeah. Maybe we'll be if able not, to talk about free agency. Maybe we'll like kind of have a crystal ball and predict what we think is going to happen. And then also. Uh, Hall of Fame ballots are going to be announced during that time as well. So yeah. we're going to kind of like do our own spin on who's going to make it this year. Well, those kind of final year guys are close to final year guys like Bonds and Clemens. Will they get in? We'll see. All right. Well, then that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us, Xavier. Thank really you. appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for really fun. I'm down yeah, to this talking, again. Talking A's baseball is this always is fun. fun time. Uh, before we go, don't forget. To our listeners, if you want to listen to other sports talk podcasts, check out my podcast, The Magic Hour. Um, every other week, right now, we're talking football. We do $5 picks where me and two buddies bet on picks. NBA draft coverage is coming up. Talking about the NBA draft on this week's episode. Um, and also the Masters. We talk about Masters odds with my buddy Bobby on this little independent podcast network that we have going. Um, potentially, there's some new podcasts popping up. So uh, stay tuned for that. But um yeah, it's gonna do it. Um, fun one. So I'll see see you in a couple of weeks, Leo. We'll see you then. I'll be bugging the shadow until then. But that's true. See you in we'll podcast. Just be then. texting texting about sports all day. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> and last but not least, Leo. Let's go, Oakland. Peace. The town tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.